Did you put up our last podcast? Not yet. I've burned out at the moment. I had some family stuff. It's actually been an ongoing thing. Still, I haven't replaced this mixer yet, and I haven't. Uh, I've I've got some different headphones in that usually are okay, but I haven't replaced this mixer. I either need to replace the connection to the headphones, or I need to replace the entire mixer, and I just haven't done it yet. I, I feel like I had a premonition because I for for most of the end of last year. Oh, I'm still here. Hello, hello. Alrighty, I was reading the intro to this omnibus. It was like a two-year run of 2001 to 2002. Be quite honest with you, though, I wasn't reading Wonder Woman at that time. I wasn't reading too many new DC books at all. I mean, I barely got Batman over at a movie rental place I used to go to called Movie Gallery before they just disappeared. I was buying that Superman, like Adventures of Superman. Well, my little town where I stay at, though, they don't even sell Wonder Woman stuff. And since this movie then came out, it made me kind of want to, like, you know, A, buy this book because I'd never read this run and number two because of the new wonder woman movie coming out 84 which features that golden armor that she wore during worlds at war which i saw the superman issues of that that was odd crossover that i was like smack dab in the middle of i think it was also around the same time the cartoon that came out justice league it kind of renewed my interest in her among many other characters when this came out it passed me by and also there was like an encyclopedia on wonder woman that dk books had did which featured a lot of characters from the perez well from the 40s you know like her debut in the, in the golden age and then the stuff post-crisis with George Perez and everything. And I'd read that thing from front to cover when I was in high school. That, the X-Men one they had, and the Batman and Justice League encyclopedias, you know, for all these characters and supporting characters, villains and stuff. But Wonder Woman, it made me think about the TV show, which I got that too on DVD all three seasons. I kind of been on the Wonder Woman collecting thing going on, plus also her appearances in Grant Morris's Justice League, which I got in trade all four volumes of. When this stuff was coming out, when I seen her on the Justice League cartoon, I'm thinking, I gotta go back and read the Wonder Woman. I remember the show and I might have seen Wonder Woman in a Superman comic here and there. I was reading like that encyclopedia. Where, oh, she fought Batman and whooped his ass. When I was a teenager, I was thinking well, I'm too cool for the Linda Carter stuff. Nah, I want to read what it was in a comics man. And I was starting to figure out the post-crisis thing. I think I was reading the first archive of the New Teen Titans run. I think like the first six or seven plus DC Comics Presents where they all debuted the new team. And Donna Troy was on that team. That made me curious again because I'm like, oh, Wonder Woman had a sister. I'm thinking, okay, I didn't know that. Even though everything else you see, like, if you go by the Linda Carter show, there's Drusilla. Drusilla wasn't quite Donna Troy, if you know what I mean, but I get why she was there, because I guess once again, even back then, 77 show, how are you going to explain, oh, she has a twin sister that looks just like her, except she's younger, and she's like a mystical duplicate, and you know, with the Titan stuff, then again, they had her doing her own thing by being a photographer, and maybe her relationship with Dick Grayson or not, or with Wally West. I mean, I was reading that, and I was kind of like, George Perez really drew this pretty well. Really got me into that. Plus, there was also the issue with the, I guess I'll say the, the pre-crisis Justice League fighting the Teen Titans and Wonder Woman fighting Donna Troy. And I'm like, okay, they both fight different. They both use the, the lasso of truth, but they both do completely different things. Really made me want to read what the comics were and say circa 1983-84. And then there's the Wonder Woman stuff that's coming out, up, as my mom would say, up to date at the time, which I wasn't even a 
aware of. And since the town I live in doesn't have a comic shop, and they had it one time, but I was buying a bunch of image books like crazy before the shop closed down. Get all image stuff, get all X-Men stuff, because I still wasn't in a DC type of mood to be like, oh, okay, I'll buy the Death of Superman, Batman Year One and Two. But Wonder Woman and them were just like, I'll get to it when I get to it, thinking the store is always going to beat her. Cut to a couple years ago, I was like, okay, I want to read Grant Morrison's Justice League, because I was reading CBR articles on it. Plus, I was still watching the, like, the complete series of that show on DVD, so once again, it kept on feeding into me wanting to, okay, well, I know who Wonder Woman is, I know who Batman is, I know who The Flash is, and I know who Grant Morrison is, and I, that's the run that came up before I even knew what it was. JLA, and I just recently got Volume 4. I read I read all the way through like the fifth part World War III run, and I can look at it and say that Grant Morrison writes a good Wonder Woman. I mean, if I wasn't, if I didn't buy the feel Humanist Omnibus, I could still say that she's my favorite character because the way she plays off of everybody and her and Aquaman, the way they go at each other sometimes. And, you know, you know Grant Morrison really kept everything. Like, even let's say Superman got, you know, became blue. He didn't try to ignore that. Or when Wonder Woman had died in her own title and Hippolyta put on her Golden Age costume and went out there and fought in place of Diana and stuff like that. Uh, it was just little stuff like that I noticed, yeah. which they didn't do in the cartoon. <laughs> the Grant Morrison Howard Porter run on JLA is my favorite Justice League run. It really turned me into a Justice League fan. Uh, so I'm very fond of it. But I really wasn't wild about the usage of Wonder Woman in the series. She had some good moments. But given how many great moments, Batman especially, but Batman, Superman, even Martian Manhunter, where mm-hmm. someone like Wonder Woman really felt like she got short shrift. And it's an ongoing problem with Justice League is it feels like Justice League writers often don't get that character and don't write her well. And I don't exclude Grant Morrison from that criticism, unfortunately. I um, understand what you mean, because when I was watching in a cartoon, she was kicking ass, holding her own, leading the team, and always at odds with Hot Girl, but also um, Aquaman. But, you know, I watched what was in that show. It was like, okay, I hope she's like that in the books. And you're all right about how the way Grant Morrison doesn't really give her too much time to shine, really. I mean, it's the Batman show and Superman show partly, and, you know, the Flash does this thing just a bit. Kyle Rayner being the only one who doesn't know too much of what he's doing. Well, which is actually, he, I think that worked really well, is I think Kyle Rayner is the newbie and the fish out of water and the one who's kind of learning how to be a superhero. That gave him a lot more to do, I felt like, than even Wonder Woman got. Which well, I was like looking at Wonder Woman and going like, about those trades like at least a year ago. And I went into it thinking, okay, this is like the cartoon, right? Because I don't predate it the cartoon, but in my head, I got the actors in my head thinking about how the way they all played those characters in animation. Wonder Woman was kicking ass, but also she was getting her ass kicked a lot more than everybody else. And since there was no hot girl in that run, I can't hold it against them. Okay, Wonder Woman got a few licks in, and then Wonder Woman gets knocked out by something from left field. I don't know, I'm kind of conflicted on it now. because yeah. I really felt like in the animated series, the creators had a much better handle on Hawkgirl than they did on Wonder Woman. They had similar personalities at the start of it, and that whole warrior vibe, but also the arc that uh, Hawk Woman, Hawkgirl got in the show, it just, they had a better feel for her. And yeah, so, the, like it because of that... What, it should have been what Wonder Woman had, uh, I feel like. Yeah, I, yeah I, I had a lot of problems. I mean, they did a, a cheap jack, quickie version of the origin, which had her stealing her garments in the, like a thief of the night and yeah, rather out the contest. Like, they knew that they had a better head on Hawkgirl, so they gave most of their moments to Hawkgirl, and Wonder Woman just sort of got the leftovers, it felt like. It did, because, I mean, I did like the idea of her just stealing the costume. I felt like, for one, how is her, you know, DCAU version of Wonder Woman, how is her costume already made by Hephaestus? So I'm thinking, was um, Hippolyta Wonder Woman before her? Because now, after reading all this other Wonder Woman stuff, I'm aware of Hippolyta was Wonder Woman before Diana was, and then Artemis was later, and stuff like that. But I was aware of Hippolyta mostly, and I know they got her as a blonde on cartoon, but in the comic 
books that she was, you know, she had the same hair as Wonder Woman did. Post-crisis, post but pre-crisis, she often had the blonde hair, and they probably did that to help differentiate. And plus, I think they were still hewing to the classic origin where she's made from clay, so it'd be fine for the mother and daughter to not necessarily resemble each other. But obviously, they've strayed further and further away from that over the years. In which, to me, I'm like, after reading what I read, you know, like, that's the thing about the post-crisis version that stuck with me the most. It, between Diana, Donna, and Hippolyta, yeah, they almost all look the same, just very, like, one woman had very curly hair, then Hippolyta had very long curly hair, and um, Hippolyta was a bit more warrior-like than her daughter, who was trying to be more peaceful-like, and Donna Troy kind of being like, I wouldn't want to call her the Dick Grayson of the group, but between the dying and the resurrections and Dark Angel, which I've read a little bit about that, and I'm even going, that's a bit excessive, and I'm thinking if you were to, it, I, I can see why they never put her on a Teen Titans cartoon, or at least would have alluded to her in a Justice League cartoon, Donna Troy, because how are you going to explain that one? I kind of have to look at Warner Woman, Hippolyta, and Diana. Like, they should all exist in the same same place, right? Yeah, I mean, there, you've got the whole issue of erasure, especially with the New 52, but even before then, where Dick Grayson being an adult is a problem, Wally West being the Flash is a problem. And they've got the fan base that protects those characters and, and keeps bringing them back even when DC tries to push them away. Where with Donna Troy, I don't think people put up nearly as much of a fight because we all know her continuity is just an absolute train wreck. It and has been ever, well, always, always. The character is created by an editorial error, you know? So the, uh, it, it's Haney. always been a problem. Yeah. Bob Haney was just like, you know, Wonder Woman is a, Wonder Woman is a girl. Oh, why don't we have Wonder Woman part of the teen types? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And <laughs> I, we're going to explain it. Oh, she walked through, walked by a magic mirror. <laughs> and, and the thing is, the New 52 would have been a perfect opportunity. I've been talking with folks about this recently on Twitter. There wasn't anything wrong with the concept of the New 52 of giving DC more of a fresh start. But you've mm. got to actually do something smart with it. You've got to actually think it through. And so they reintroduced Donna Troy in the New 52 and she's a completely different character with a completely different origin and she's an adversarial role with Wonder Woman and all this kind of stuff. It's like you could do, you could basically recreate the character and do a better job of it than was done previously and have her make sense within the Wonder Woman canon. And instead they felt the need to, we got to make it new, we got to make it cool, and we got to make it sharp and edgy and violent and uh, just screwed it up like all over again. But I look at it like this. If I would have done it, I would do like the DCAU a little bit. Like that's the thing. That's why I like those cartoons and I like their approach to all these characters, even the ones that kind of introduced on the Justice League cartoon, like Fury, you know, remember, you know, remember the episode two-parter with Fury, mm-hmm. you know, they made it, okay, she was, um, she was a girl who was orphaned and Apollo took her in and imbued her with the Amazon powers, but, you know, Fury was way different on the show than she was in the comic books, but still, at least you got a sense of, well, okay, there's another Amazon who wasn't born of the island. They could have took bits and pieces from, I'm trying to think, because there was stuff in New Titans where they were really trying to, you know, make her at least like, okay, you weren't born of clay, you didn't walk through a magic mirror, you were an orphan, and the Amazons took you in, raised you as one of their own, and stuff like that. I mean, the, the stuff that I liked from Marv Wolfman when he was really trying to make her, along with everybody else on the team, be individuals as opposed to, like, okay, you're a sidekick. So you're like the mini-me version of a trinity here. That's the, I mean, that's the thing. I like her character. It's just like the new 52 version I just never got into. I don't think anybody she, did. <laughs> she, she looked like Donna Troy, but she didn't act like the Donna Troy that I'm reading right now in the field. At least in the Phil Jimenez run and in the Marv Wolfman run. That well, makes any sense. And Jimenez is, is one of the few creators in comics that actually clearly has an affection for Don Troy. And he did more to buoy that character in the 90s than anybody easily. Which um, is what i am got my memories of as I'm reading that book. Because I think I had like one issue of New Titans where she's a dark star. Mm-hmm. And I vaguely knew what they were. Since the Green Lantern Corps were all dead now, you know. They got these replacements who just put on a power suit fly around. And that's another comic which I think I, I was vaguely aware of from the like, DC comic 
comics encyclopedia, which I also got, which I'm surprised they never put them in animation, which I look at all of these characters and go like, Just Lee, the Jesse cartoon did well for a lot of them. They could also put stuck in a few of them, you know, like they didn't have Hal Jordan or thank God. But at the same time, also with Donna Troy, and I'm like, you, you could have alluded to that, that she's on the island, right? Because they always had like cameos of Nightwing and Barbara and all them floating around, you know, Superman supporting cast floating around. I just feel like Wonder Woman should have had her own cartoon at the same time, you know, like about like 95, 96. That's the vibe I'm getting while I'm reading that book. They could have, I mean, they couldn't, they shouldn't have took a movie. They could have done what they did with Superman, like make an animated series, integrate all of these characters and make it work, you know, like a pre-Justice League thing. But I don't have to take to Justice League, like to hash it all together real quick, like, and even the thing with Ares on there being like the one who helped Hippolyta, you know, mold Diana and with her father, which I'm not a big fan of that one. It's the same thing with Hercules being like her father, where I'm like, mm, no, but in the comics I'm reading, um, her and Ares are not on good terms, and even Hippolyta, they're not on good terms of Ares or Hercules, you know I mean? I mean, that's why I just got frustrated with the New 52, and I I, I just don't want to, I, I don't even want to buy those comics, because of, because of what I know from, like, what they did before, and then look at what they're doing now, and some of it's okay, but not all of it makes me want to go say, hey, yeah, I'm about omnibus of that. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that you know that they, the rebirth happens, and so they try to, to to integrate the two different continuities into one another, and New 52, there's so much in it that just doesn't fit, and then you've got all these rights issues, I think, I assume, because they had all those Wildstorm characters at the beginning of the New 52, and they, they got rid of them all you know, within a few years of that. So you, you're, they were trying to integrate all this Wildstorm continuity, and then they just dropped that entirely, but it's still kind of altered the course of DC. It was just a mess. And basically they needed another 252 or they, they need one now. When you were talking about the, a Wonder Woman cartoon, obviously that's something Wonder Woman fans have been uh, griping about for a long time now. I would have been, I would have, no, if it would have came out back then, I would I would have been probably more of a fan because, all right, Batman animated series, you know, as a kid, I'm like, hell, this is the best thing ever. And then Superman animated series comes on, oh, this is the best thing ever. And they're debuting like Green Lantern, Aquaman, and Lobo, and all these other people. I mean, they could have stuck Wonder Woman in there too pre-Justice League. I mean, I, I mean, I've been re-watching that show where I'm like, you could also could have done a little Wonder Woman thing, like he has to go to Paradise Island or he has to go help out, you know, Hippolyta, who maybe a diplomat coming into the city and whatever. I mean, I watched that show and I look at the way that, you know, the animated universe is, is done. You could also pre-snuck in Wonder Woman somewhere. I mean, they snuck in, I snuck in, but they had Etrigan and Batman and then they had, um, let me think who else. They had, I already mentioned Green Lantern, but it was Kyle Rayner. It was more like a modified version minus the, you know, dead girlfriend in the refrigerator, which glad they didn't do that in the cartoon. I mean, there's a new comic out right now called Batman The Adventure Continues. I'm, like reading articles about it, how like they introduced Azrael and Deathstroke and characters like that. And I'm thinking, why didn't they, they could have done a Wonder Woman. You know, I read, I read articles about it thinking, you could have done that for Wonder Woman, <laughs> you know. One issue was that for a long time, DC didn't have the full rights to the character of Wonder Woman. The uh, Marston estate uh, had rights to the character, exercise those rights, were getting a piece of the character. My understanding is like what they did with Captain Marvel, they finally outright bought the rights to Wonder Woman as a character, but I'm not sure for how long it impacted on her usage in media because they didn't want to have to pay out money to the Marston estate or have to seek permissions from that estate. Um, and also just the simple fact that it's a female character and there's always resistance and hesitation doing anything with that. But obviously today's world is very different. You know, they just had the She-Ra run on uh, Netflix wrap-up after, what was it, four seasons or so? Uh, yeah, it's there's a obviously show. I gotta get that on DVD. Yeah. And there's obviously a hunger for that type of material, and Wonder Woman's a character that desperately needs development because she's one of the few bright spots of the DCEU, and I think that the movies, especially if they carry on, will benefit from having material to draw from outside of the comics, since the comics more 
often than not have not been bestsellers. So it, you really need some animation to help buoy that character if you want. For her, I look at like she should get like the Superman animated series treatment at best. You know where okay, we show all like you know we show her world, and if you want to throw like okay, she works as Diana Prince for the government or whatever. Like if you want to homage the seventy the seventy seven went Linda Carter show, I mean that'd be a good place to kind of if you want to you know I mean you can do like a fifty fifty a little bit like the way Batman animated series kind. Of, it didn't do the Adam West show, but there were some nods in there. Or with the Superman cartoon, there were some nods to, to the Fletcher, the Fletcher animated series and the um, Silver and Bronze Age stuff and also the post-crisis stuff. Like, I feel like with Wonder Woman, you could, they could really go for it with it, you know, because I'm, as I'm reading, like, that omnibus, I'm thinking, okay, the Shirley Walker score should, could, could be right in here, you know, so since you got Batman crossing over, you know, I put eyes on it already, even back then in 2001, so that was, like, post-No Man's Land and whatever, but um, with Wonder Woman, I feel like, shit, like, to me, I look at her stories and go comic book wise the stuff i like was always the stuff that was just out of left field like with the greek mythology and also her at the same time sometimes being at odds with characters like batman or superman or you know okay there's dark side but that makes me think it's super friends where dark side was trying to hook up with wonder woman and i'm like uh why <laughs> You know, because I think John Byrne tried to do that in his comic during his run. And I think I saw that in like an encyclopedia. I'm like, well, what's Darkseid doing here? What's he got to do with her? Yeah, you know? Byrne tried to bring in some Silver Age stuff, but I, it just didn't really work that great. And I think that actually contributed to her usage in JLA is, you know, John Byrne's known for being pretty domineering and having uh, uh, influencing the editorial directions of the characters beyond his own work. And so I'm, I'm confident that a lot of that came into play with Grant Morrison's JLA. There's a good chunk of that series where Hippolyta was in the book rather than Diana and so oh, yes. that, that caused that's some conflict Prom that's when Prometheus showed up and was fighting everybody and I read that going like because I think when I was reading it in I didn't realize it until I looked at her costume and go okay that's Hippolyta and because I think he killed Wonder Woman right John Byrne did yeah for like five really cool uh, yeah, it was it was a peculiar thing because I, I know that he was looking for an angle with the character for years to help boost sales. At one point, he was going to marry her off and such, and I guess ultimately he went on the with the old saw of killing her off. But she was brought back so quickly that most people didn't even notice that she was dead. And, and that's the other weird. That's the other weird thing because when I read in that encyclopedia, oh, Neuron killed her because Neuron was from Underworld Unleashed, and that's also another thing. I'm glad they didn't bring up an, an animated Justice League cartoon because I feel like it would have been a dinger to explain like okay Neron's tempting everybody and boosting superpowers and oh no later on he gets his revenge by killing Wonder Woman and who's gonna be the who's gonna be the next Wonder Woman since once again in that show they didn't they didn't have a Paul wait yeah, they had Apolita but they didn't have um uh think they didn't have Cassie Sandsmart they had no Donna Troy and they had no Artemis so yeah, yeah I can see why they just try to keep it to one version of Wonder Woman as opposed to all the others well and the the creators of the series tended to focus on the characters that they grew up with so it was a very Bronze Age influence on that show it was a little post-crisis yeah in some parts I, I really like Neron but it's it's one of those weird things I don't see Neron as a Wonder Woman villain so why do you have a non-Wonder Woman villain killing her just like when Darkseid invades Paradise Island and kills hundreds of the Amazons and there's never any consequence to that act uh, then who's who are you serving in the Wonder Woman book are you serving Wonder Woman the character you're supposed to be writing that you signed up for or are you serving Darkseid and ultimately I think that's serving Darkseid and um, the fourth world characters which I mean yeah. I'm, I'm trying to 
I think if they did it an animation, they would have done an animation that would also be like a weird little like, huh? What's Darkseid doing over here on, on Paradise Island? Um, you know, I mean, that's, that's when you bring that up, I'm thinking if they would have done an animation since Superman animated series would have been on it. They would have done it. Well, I see my what if. They would have done a Wonder Woman show during that time. You would have done a good crossover between those two things because Darkseid's trying to take over the world. So his forces would be everywhere. So the Amazons would be involved no matter what. And when you do throw Darkseid in, it is a bit of a strange thing because like he's more of a, I wouldn't even say he's a Justice League villain. And I feel like he's more of a Superman villain. I mean, okay, Batman shot him with a radiant bullet one time. Grant Morrison again. I think the new gods are definitely DC Universe utility villains, but very much if you're going to associate a particular superhero with the new gods, Superman. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are thinking that Ava DuVernay is going to use Henry Cavill Superman in her movie. And I think that would definitely bring people that may not otherwise have an interest in new gods. Um, I think it's a good choice. But once again, that works for Superman. It doesn't really work for Wonder Woman. I wouldn't want to see Wonder Woman in the new gods movie. Uh, I mean, I'd like to see it one time. I mean, I know she fought him in the Justice League movie, but even then, I feel like um, Steppenwolf and the Parademons weren't exactly the Parademons that I'll, I'll say that I grew up with from Superman animated series that they were big, bulky, but the little bug eyes dressed in green, you know, they look more like ferocious monsters. And that's the thing when they took out all the Kirby-isms when they, dis- when they debuted them on there, that's when I was like, oh, why the hell is he fighting the Amazons, the Atlanteans, and everybody else? And he looks like something from Lord of the Rings. I mean, I don't know, the Super- the one even on Superman animated series, they kept him more to the, to the classic Kirby look with the green, um, the green, you know, his outfit he had on, mm-hmm. which was like what he looked like when Jack Kirby drew him. That's kind of the thing. But I don't know, it's Wonder Woman and New Gods, and I think even Brian Azzarello tried to integrate that into his run, or the people after Azzarello. No, Azzarello did bring in Orion and, and some other New Gods elements. Which then again, his Orion wasn't all that good, because when Skinner took me out of it, like, this is a guy who's cosplaying as Orion. Well, Azzarello's not a cosmic guy, and it's, it's one of the reasons why I was not, I, I, I'm a ferociously anti-Azzarello with regards to Wonder Woman, but also the fact that he brings in the New Gods, I, I can't imagine that would have worked well because Azzarello doesn't write those type of characters well. It's just not his forte. Um, He's more of a street-level writer. Exactly, exactly. And again, this is the guy who pitched getting Wonder Woman as a, a horror series, essentially. So, Which is good for Vertigo, but or Black Label, if they say no, but mm-hmm. it ain't good for like, hey, we're starting off in a new universe and, oh, look, we got Wonder Woman with a sword, which reminds me too much of um of Zealot from um from, from oh, Wildcats. Wildcats. Yeah, and uh, that's, that's there are definitely fans of the Azzarello-Chang run, but it's telling that virtually everything from that run was forgotten as soon as they left. You know, mm-hmm. nobody nobody yep. picked up any of that material. Nobody carried on with it. They were perfectly happy to have that material exist. But even during the run, they were doing different stuff with Wonder Woman that contradicted in Justice League. So it was never going to have staying power. It was always its own sort of isolated thing. And I think that's why it has its fans. But generally speaking, aside from the uh, Zeus's father retcon, most everything else has been forgotten about that. That Which, and the sword. I mean, as far as Zeus, be, I mean, I'm like, Zeus has too many bastards children and one woman doesn't need to be one of them i feel like that just takes away from her uniqueness as you know being born from clay and blessed by the gods and stuff like that you know as as she was originally well i mean there's a lot of creators a lot of writers that just can't wrap their head around the clay origin it's just easier to make her a demigod i I think when they revamped superman it's like okay he was a birthing matrix right you go by what john Byrne had done birthing matrix he lands or say if he lands in russia he's russian he lands in america like kansas smallville you know he's a good old boy you know big blue Boy Scout. If it lands in Gotham, I mean, they, I think I'll give them this. They took advantage of that with the Elseworlds series with, you know, the Superman birthing matrix. Mm-hmm. Like, that, as opposed to like, well, he just, Rocket just lands somewhere like they did in the Silver Age, you know. But with Wonder Woman, I can see why 
they would have problems with the clay thing because I guess you're like, well, that's just too that's just too weird or too fanciful or oh, that's making him more of a magic character than just a superhero. Yeah, and also simply put, a lot of writers just don't think she's human. They don't recognize, even though it's clearly in the in the, if you read the Perez run, uh, if you read any of the runs, really, it's clear that this is a being that has a soul. This is a living being uh, made of flesh. She's not stone. She's not a golem. It's very clear if you actually read the material. But a lot of people just see her as some sort of an automaton. You know, I see I see Wonder Woman just as valid as Superman. You know, to me, she's a person. Yeah, her, but, Donna, Artemis, all of them. But Wonder Woman being, you know, she was birthed. You know, she was birthed of magic, but she's not just restricted to like you know her origins is like well she's not a clay thing <laughs> you know what? she's she 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 has hopes and dreams and desires and wants and needs and yes yeah, she's immortal but at the same time also you know she can she can hurt like the rest of them there are creators some long time very long time creators on wonder woman that i think had trouble viewing women as full human beings and and certainly not as equals to men so if they can't even see women by birth that way they certainly can't see a woman by creation as being fully human and it shows in their writing and those people should never have been allowed to write Wonder Woman, but there's yeah, a low-selling book that I had avoided. <laughs> yeah, uh, rightly so. Yeah, but uh, and that's a problem. The character that has dogged the character throughout her history is people that have contempt for the concept of a woman hero for a heroine writing her, or people who have good intentions who misunderstand what they need to do with the character, and it, it's it hurts. And that's why she would benefit greatly from an animated series. You just need to have people who actually have an affection for the character and do stuff with her. When you talked about the chronology, where you had the Batman animated series followed by the Superman animated series. Ideally, what we would have seen if they weren't going to do a Wonder Woman solo series, then make her a very important character in Justice League. Maybe do like they did in the classic Justice League cartoon comic books, where you downplay the presence of Superman and Batman, you save them for special occasions, and then you focus on the other members of the team, and that would have given a lot more oxygen to Wonder Woman. But I, I don't think that's where the interests lie. I, I, I lay. I think that they wanted to do the Justice League, and they wanted to do Superman and Batman. I think that there was definitely a Grant Morrison influence there, and part of that influence came down to not knowing what to do with one woman and sidelining the character uh, Which, but what gets I mean, me they gave, the, they gave the flash a good arc in that show they gave they gave john stewart a lot of good you know good mm-hmm. good good bits and that's what made him my favorite on there i mean i will let this he was a bit more engaging than cal was um in animated sense because you know john was like a straight you know he's a straight shooter you know military man but at least at best he also had a sense of humor and stuff and Flash being Wally West, which I think at the time when I was watching that show, I wasn't quite sure which one he was. But um, you know, after you know, Wicked, I think this was before Wikipedia. But I had like that, I had like another like the DC Comics Encyclopedia, which once again I saw all the Flashes, Jay Garrick and Barry Allen, who at the time was dead, and I was fine with it because I'm like I didn't grow up with that guy. Um, Wally was like the current one, so I'm like okay, I get he's the immature one who just can't do anything right and constantly just you know selling out for money a little bit and stuff like that. I mean. Superman and Batman were Superman and Batman, so I can't complain about them because they were done right. I mean, in the show, he got thrashed around constantly, but like the first season, so I was a little disappointed there. Where with Wonder Woman, I was expecting the same kind of grandeur, you know, like okay, she's she's very powerful, and you know, I'm thinking she's part of the Trinity because I think it was about the same time they were hyping that up. So I'm like, okay, she's a badass, she can kick ass, but also she cares, and you know, she's fighting for peace, and she's doing it without using the sword. She, she has a last, she has a last sword 
whatever thing. Yeah, her mother forbids her from going because I think when I was watching that, I did have the sh- had the um the Linda Carter show to go off of as a reference. So I'm thinking she might not do the spin thing, except she did it one time in the, in an episode where she just changed out of her civilian co- outfit to her Wonder Woman outfit and stuff like that. She didn't have the diving suit, but um yeah yeah you uh, had that essential conflict where Perez was hugely influential on the character's direction post crisis, and so there's a tendency to just want to do what George Perez did. Problem being, I, they these I, I remember there's a, a blogger who used to work for Comic Book Resource. I don't remember which one it was necessarily. It might have been Augie Dubliek, uh, who would always would often talk about story engine, where basically you'd look at the various components that a character has that gives them uh, material, grist for the mill, to create stories. The story engine is something that'll help propel that character forward under different creators, under different regimes. And Superman and Batman are characters that have very strong story engines. Wonder Woman, not so much so. And I think part of it is that George Perez really wanted to get away from the whole military-industrial complex elements of the character that were present from throughout the Silver Age and in the Bronze Age and including the TV show. And the problem is that was uh, such a key story engine for that character that just having her be an ambassador and having so much of her material revolve around the mythology, you mean you have mythological stories you can tell with her and then it kind of limits what you can do with her. And, and it creates a situation where if, unless she's the generic girl in the group, they don't necessarily know what to do with her because the story engine isn't there. Where, again, if you look at the TV show, obviously that story engine worked because they got three seasons that would have gotten more. They only canceled it because CBS didn't want to become the superhero network and they only had two new shows. Um, later, on, later on, they would do the Flash. Yeah. So If you've got three seasons of live action and it worked, then maybe look at that more than you look at the comics. And that's what you got with the Alan Heinberg reboot. And that stumbled out of the gate because of timing issues, because of perhaps some creators that shouldn't have been working on the book or comics in general. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think the story engine there was bad. And I think that some of her better selling and more higher profile years as a monthly comic book was using that the basic model from the TV show. And there's obviously elements of that in the movie too. So I'm always hopeful that they'll find a way of remembering the Diana Prince in Princess Diana. Which, uh, I mean, they could they could have made her a nurse because I think that's what she was in the silver, the golden age, right? Yeah. Military yeah. nurse. True enough. And that was cool. They got away from that fairly quickly though. I, I like to harp on that because I do think that a nurse superhero is a great idea. We don't see that very often. Maybe me, in a post-COVID I mean, world. Because like, I feel like that would compliment um, Clark Kent a little bit where, you know, she works in that world but she's not directly, you know, involved like she would be like in the TV show she was what was she in a TV show? Uh, she worked, well, she was with military intelligence when they were in the World War II setting and then she worked for a spy organization once they moved into the 70s. Which, I mean, if you wanted to revamp that a little bit, if you say, hey, it was Argus or Cadmus or, well, not Cadmus because that was in the cartoon because that'd be a little weird thing like, wait a minute, why do you want to throw her in Cadmus or throw her with Checkmate? I mean, it'd be interesting but I don't know, she, she you know, one of them like, I'm stopping a, a checkmate plot, but then it would be kind of like um, Supergirl, where she's with the DEO, and I'm like, nah, that, that wouldn't work because I mean, I don't know, just make her make her a military nurse who works on the front lines or something like that. I mean. Uh, I would say a scientist, but I'm trying to think how would that work? That's the thing with Warner Bros. Like, I'm not. I mean, I'm used to having a secret identity because of the sh- because of the TV show. But I know in the cartoon they did. They didn't. They, they just they just made her like you know basically uh, Amazonian exile. You know, because I didn't even didn't even look like she had like a like a private life. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. And I think that that you have trouble finding the personality, finding the core of the character if you don't have uh, that sort of civilian identity. And she's been stripped of that since '86. Pretty much every 
reincarnation of the character since then has been divorced from Diana Prince. Yeah. With with the exception of, again, the Alan Heinberg run. So uh, I I think that it was a good idea to go in that direction. I'm not sure the specific agency was maybe the best um, because she was essentially supposed to be policing metahumans. And I'm not sure that's necessarily the right role for her. But ultimately, she is a soldier. She's a soldier for peace, but she is ultimately a soldier. And, you know, barring becoming a mercenary, you need to have a, a an organization in order to be an agent of. You know, you have to be a part of an army to be a soldier. So, well, which that's the thing. Like, like when you brought that up, I mean, okay, in animated series, like, I mean, Justice League, you know, they were at odds with Cadmus all the time, right? Amanda Waller was always on their back because of Lufor having his fingers in all these pies, trying to be like, okay, I got to keep them off my back, bring X in my body, trying to get out. I got to fix that. Even I didn't know anything about that. And, you know, you watch the show and go, like, okay, well, does Wonder Woman have a personal life? I think there was one episode that showed her dressed down in, like, civilian garb, but, you know, at the same time, like, that's just still Wonder Woman. <laughs> you know, everybody mm-hmm. knows her on the street. Mm-hmm. So I know I keep talking about, you know, her animated appearance and what they should have done before Justice League, but I want to look at it in the hindsight now reading what I am reading of the Phil Humanist, right? It just, it makes me kind of go, like, okay, when I just saw her just as a member of the Justice League, I feel like I wasn't seeing, like, the full. Um, breadth and depth of her character and if I went by what was in the show I'm like well the show they could only do so much you know what I mean mm-hmm. they couldn't have her fight Cronus and Ares and fighting Cersei which Cersei was on an episode of Justice League Unlimited which mm-hmm. once again that's like her only appearance on her but I'm like the, the way her voice actress did the whole episode where she turned Wonder Woman into a pig mm-hmm. <laughs> and Batman had to sing to kind of lift the spell a little bit because Cersei was like singing Lulu's back in town and stuff I'm like why, why? this is why I'm like Wonder Woman should have her, have her own animated series because if you play up that version of Cersei, great, do it. I, I would watch every episode for it if you want to make her the villain of season one and just have her, you know, do the whole like, well, I escaped from hell and you know what, I'm going to have my own little jazz club, you know, the sirens still got nothing on me. I mean, right now, as I'm about to get to the Cersei story arc in the Phil Humanis run, I kind of have that version stuck in my head a little bit versus like, I'm sure when I read her in the book, it's going to be way different than what I'm, than what I watched. But um, I don't know, I just had a voice actress in mind who did that character. Cersei is definitely a a uh, a nasty character. She's she's more of a soap opera type character where she's constantly scheming and messing things up for people and everything. But I do like she was like Hippolyta did this and Hippolyta did that. Right. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm very fond of Cersei. I think that Cersei was one of the best things Perez did during his run, and I think that Phil Jimenez did some good stuff with her also. One of my all time favorite Wonder Woman runs, the Wonder Woman run that made me a fan of the character or like a true fan as opposed to just like a passive fan. I like you know somebody who loves her as a person that I'm reading as opposed to as an idea, which I, th- I find is very common. Is a lot of people like the idea of Wonder Woman more than they like the actual character and the act of reading stories involving the character. But uh, they're collecting the William Master Loeb's run finally. Uh, and the first volume called The Last True Hero is going to be out in a month. Um, that's the run that had the Brian Bolland covers. It's the run that had Paris. And also where she was in the biker. Um, the, this, the material, know. yeah, the, the, the biker uh, Wonder Woman stuff is going to be probably on a, in a second volume. Uh, the the okay. volume that they're collecting in, in August stopped short of that one. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I love is that the character had a, a humor and a humility that you don't have with Superman and Batman and it really helped to show her difference in terms of just her, her character. Like who she is as a person. Her mindset and her, and her morals and her values. Um, so I, I love that material and I, I really wish that more people would, would look at that material and, and um, see I'm how I'm not trade of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, since you're reading the Phil Jimenez stuff, Jimenez there's a, there's a pretty major story element that's introduced in that trade that carries over into 
of the He-Man S stuff. I'm not sure how far you are into that omnibus. Um, right now, I'm just out of like the Batman crossover, and okay. I'm about to get into the other stuff. Yeah, so you haven't run into the Cersei stuff yet, and there, there's material there that's introduced during the Messner Loeb's run that I was thankful that He-Man S carried on with, um, because it, it helped to define who Cersei is as well, and gave her a different vibe than a lot of other villainesses out there also. So, um, so in the comic book, though, she's not a jazz singer and everything, right? Unfortunately, no, but I'm, I'm not opposed to that. I, I at no point does she have that opportunity. Um, I know she has a daughter in it. Indeed. And that's the, the element I was trying not to speak to just in case it was going to be a spoiler for you. But yeah, that's introduced. I kind of flipped a little run. bit like in yeah. the back where it's like secret files and origins because I wanted to, you know, know who all the players were. Mm-hmm. So whenever yeah. I get to their stories, I'd be like, oh, OK, I get it. Uh, I, I kind of do that with big books. I like flip to the back a little bit, like to see like all the, you know, besides the pinups and stuff like, OK, this character's bio, this character's bio. So at least I'd be like, OK, I have context for this person, this person and this person, mm-hmm. even though I got my I got my ideas from like what they were in animation, which few of them they did show up and um trying to think here like that's the thing with Cersei that's I mean when I saw her in the cartoon I mean I think Bruce Tim and him did, did like her like her villain outfit to have like a um Kirby looking look to it mm-hmm. before she had like the red dress on and got hit by a piano by Zatanna and stuff like that yeah, yeah that's the thing that's the thing with animation if I see it in animation then I want to then I want to read it because mm-hmm. I'm like okay how much is this is Dini and how much of this is Dini? like you said William Messer Loeb and mm-hmm. well, Joe I mean, and all them the, the, they've never matched the the sales, the commercial uh, uh, gangbuster that was the original comics from the Golden Age. And most of what they did in the Golden Age, you cannot translate to the modern age because it's just too bizarre. Well, like Dr. Poison and yeah. Giganta. But which, that's another character who I, who I know is in this run, mm-hmm. which made me think of Super Friends more than it made me think of Justice League Unlimited. Exactly. There, she's a mutated ape that Grodd, you know, Grodd turned into a person who also has giant powers where... Yeah, I think in Super Friends they made it. She got some type of magic um, powder, mm-hmm. and she didn't have to say a nunchuck. She just grew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, and that that goes I, back to the Golden Age. But what's so great about the Golden Age material is that it has such a sense of humor. Uh, Wonder Woman is surprisingly sarcastic. She's always, you know, got got a comeback. Uh, she, you know, in some ways she's got more in common with Deadpool than than Batman. You know, <laughs> when you go back to the original material, and so I think that one of the things that would be very valuable to the character to be injected into her, and something you definitely doing an animated series would be play up the humor make it more fun and funny and not just be these dour mythological slogs like it tends which to, be. to me that's what i that's what i that's what i liked about batman animated series in the first four seasons wait three seasons where you know they had they had like little funny moments which came out of left field and that's what kind of made me like like it more which for one woman like what you're saying with the golden age stuff i'd definitely be all with it you know and, and in a way kind of, i mean have you seen batman brave and the bold i was kind of tweeting about that yeah, that's um, that and like i was just week. about to mention that was you you were bringing up the timverse and how you had the batman the superman the justice league and to me i think if you're going to have somebody do one woman one of the, the groups you'd want to talk to the guys who did batman brave and the bold because that more humorous lighter friendlier tone i think works really well for wonder woman well, James Tucker was like the producer of okay. that one. Yeah, he was can, from Justice League, correct? Uh, yes, he was from Justice League and Batman and Superman and stuff. I, I got those DVDs. I do more than just watch the show. I kind of watch the interviews and whatever and listen to the, to the commentaries and stuff. And I thought, oh, James Tucker. I, 
me. At the time, I didn't know black people worked in animation way back when I was younger. So I'm like, oh, okay, this guy, and then, you know, okay, this guy is cool. And then he has like an affinity for like the silver and bronze age stuff. And the way he draws is kind of like an, an amalgamation of what Bruce Tim does, but also a little bit of like the bronze and silver age look. Well, more like this silver and gold and the silver age look and designs. Because like his Wonder Woman he drew on Brave and the Bold looked more like the, you know, like like she looked like on the TV show and how she looked on Super Friends, but, you know, with the, with the hair and everything. I mean, you've seen the way she looked on the episode. It was like an homage to like the Bronze Age Justice League fighting like the Le- Legion of Doom playing baseball. Mm-hmm. And then the Joker, Cheetah, and Lex Luthor all switch to dance partners. Even with Cheetah, I'm like, I was looking at her and go, Legion of Doom, you know? It's like with all those, that's, I think that's, prob- that's probably where I saw a lot of those um, villains from, from Super Friends. Like, um, like with Wonder Woman's villains, I didn't even know they were her villains like Cheetah and Giganta. Mm-hmm. Even though Solomon Grundy just wants pants, but still. Brainiac <laughs> 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 wants a decent pair of pants. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not that cartoon. Even as a kid, I'm like, okay, there's all the bad guys. And, you know, Grundy's a, an idiot. Bizarro, he's just backwards. All right, Captain Cold wasn't the Jeff Johns Captain Cold. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, I'm trying to think. That's the thing. I mean, even when they did it in the, in the Justice League cartoon, it's like, I could tell who everybody was. I mean, they didn't have Cheetah there for too long, which I think in their version of Cheetah wasn't like the version that Perez did. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I've am i yet to be wild for any of the Cheetahs that have been in animation with the exception of Priscilla Witch, Rich and uh, Challenge of the Super Friends. And also in Brave and the Bold because she was mm-hmm. on there too. Exactly. Oh, very briefly, as I recall. But yeah, it's funny. As a kid, I, I, I would have probably gravitated more toward the seriousness of the Justice League cartoon. But since I watched I all that- I as a teenager. Yeah. And <laughs> as an adult, though, I just find I enjoy Challenge of the Super Friends and Bradman Brave the Bold more because I don't need my superheroes to be as serious as they are. I'm like this. I, I get it. She's a woman in a cheetah costume and even mm-hmm. even Lex Luthor like, you're a cut-rate um, cheap dime store cat woman. I mean, she's like, I take offense to that. <laughs> well, I get Superman because I got magic. And I'm like, okay. And then, I mean, even a Luthor on there looked like he looked like what well, like he looked like on Super Friends. And I think on Justice League, they kind of homage that color scheme at best in Power Armor and that cartoon. Which, I mean, at the time when I was reading about all that stuff, like, oh, they did it. And then I remember that other costume from somewhere else because that was a suit like in the 70s wasn't it the green and purple as i recall yeah i, I the, the lex Luthor outfit far as i was concerned before they made him clancy brown and i'm like okay i like him better like this. well i was in target the other day and they had one of those i don't know they're like 14 inch dolls and they, they had luthor in that get up along with general zod and a few other ones like that which i don't know that's the thing even with him it's like i clancy brown's the one that sticks up the most where i'm like okay now that's what lex Luthor is post-crisis in my head yeah and, uh, Clancy Brown is my Luthor. Yeah, Clancy, huh? Clancy Brown is 100% my Luthor. I love the voice. I thought he was a great fit. I, I sometimes mourn that he didn't get to do it in live action because I think he could have been I, great in that respect. I mean, he played General Wade Island on The Flash, mm-hmm. which I was reading in the Grant Morrison Justice League run. I'm like, okay, well, that Wade Island, you know, since after watching him on the um, Justice League cartoon, he was voiced by, um, by J.K. Simmons. Which, once again, is like this weird little, like, oh, wait a minute. There's two people that played Wade Island, and one of them played Lou Ford, the other one played J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. For, for me, the best Wade Island take was uh, his his home series, Captain Adam. He was he was a really good antagonistic presence in that book. And uh, Morrison did an okay job of riffing on that, but I, I haven't gotten to see him in live action. And Which I'm I not... want to see him as, like, the mutated Shaggy Man type deal, you know? Mm-hmm. As opposed to, like, well, he's just a mean, gruff general, you know? Like, I know on there to do was, like, a super, so- super soldier serum. 
but I know on in Grant Morrison's run, he just put his consciousness into the shaggy man's body and shaved it. Yeah, Wade Arling is a real bastard, but you, you, you did fully appreciate it. You have to read the Captain Adam stuff because oh, it, it, it gets very personal. You know, the, the stuff that he pulls, it's really, he's a nasty character. I mean, because I see all him and Captain Adam on that cartoon was like, you know, they had, they, they looked like you, they, you can tell these two met each other before. Minus Ke- um, Major Force, was it? Mm-hmm. Who also, you know, has involved with Cal Rayner's problems and women in refrigerators. Mm-hmm. I mean, after knowing that about Major Force, I can't look at that character any differently. <laughs> it, it's it's a defining a characteristic, and it wasn't a new thing either. He also had that misogyny in the Captain Adam series. Which I'm surprised. I mean, if you wanted to make him like a Wonder Woman villain in a cartoon, you could do that. I mean, I know what the Harley Quinn show is doing with uh, Dr. Psycho, mm-hmm. which I've been watching a little bit of that, and that stuff is funny because I'm thinking... Okay, he's working with Harley, and now he wants to betray Harley, and Doom Dark Side's involved, which had Michael Ironside to come back for that. <laughs> which I was watching a few clips of it on YouTube and going like, oh, they ready to get Michael Ironside back. <laughs> I was kind of almost like, but like, am I hearing that right? Yeah, that's right. Um, Harley Quinn, I will make you the leader of my parademons. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Michael Ironside is another actor who I associate with Darkseid. That character, when mm-hmm. I, if I ever get to that part with um, him and the Wonder Woman run, that's going to be the other voice that comes to mind, you know, like, because that guy, for me, kind of defined the gravitas and the seriousness of him being like a threat, you know, you, you hear his voice and whatever. Yeah, he got his ass whooped, but he came back and he was a lot rougher and meaner. Yeah, a lot of people of my generation hear the old superpowers voice. Frank Walker. But, <laughs> yeah, but for me, it's still Michael Ironside, and I think if you if you want to draw the, the distinction between Thanos and Darkseid, one of the easiest ways to do that is have Michael Ironside be the voice of Darkseid. That's a whole different vibe from what Josh I mean, Brolin was doing. It's like this. Put it like this. Thanos in the MCU, Josh Brolin. I'm still thinking Cable. If you go back, if you go two movies over, <laughs> I hate dubstep. Yeah, <laughs> but um. That's funny. I got a cable action figure right over there. I got no Thanos and I got no Dark Side, but I got a cable. Circa as he looked in 1991 when Rob Liefeld designed him and the way he looked like on the cartoon. But with Dark Side on so, there, so like you're telling me animated... it's a repainted uh, Roadblock figure then? Um, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm just no. kidding because of the swipes. No, 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 no. No, he's a Marvel legend. But um, I gotta say about. I mean, that's the thing with Dark Side. Like whenever I go to read him, if I do see him in stuff, it's Michael Ironside's the first one. Now, if it's like uh, heaven forbid, I say Braun age like that's frank walker but even i'm like no nah, that's michael ironside <laughs> yeah i mean i i do i i have a, a soft spot for a lot of those old school 70s and 80s voice actors but they did such a great job of the voice casting during the timverse years that for a lot of those casting choices are just indelible they're they're you know daniel delaney will always be wonder woman i mean uh, lois lane you know there's just and also so many the of those phantasm mm-hmm. um andrea Bom- belmont belmont david warner will always be my ray shall ghoul oh know? he's mine he's yeah. mine yeah, <laughs> that's right, detective. You've followed another plot of mine again. But here, take my daughter, anyways. <laughs> and oh no, beloved, no, I don't want you to get killed by my father again. It's like, oh, bros, uh, I have no. Leave me alone. Go away. Get out my cave. But no, and then you know, Tali's like, hey, I got your kid right away. He's like, I ain't signing the papers. I don't remember that. Uh, <laughs> I got uh, mine wiped. <laughs> that was an old. That was another continuity. What are you talking about? That wasn't me. Yeah, that wasn't me. <laughs> but. Um, um, that's the thing with, the, with those. They, they, they did so well, and I can't read the characters any other way. Even the woman that voiced Wonder Woman. Um, what was her name? Uh, Susan Eisenberg. Susan, I follow her on Twitter. And um, she's another one, like, you know, when I hear Wonder Woman, I feel like there's two actors that come to mind. There's her, and then there's Linda Carter for, like, say, Hippolyta of Nobody Else. Because I'm mm-hmm. thinking, well, she can be, she can be, you know, Diana's mother. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, for for Donna Troy, it's a hard one because they've never done her in animation. No, they did. Didn't they? No, am I mistaken? I thought that she was in Teen Titans. I guess she wasn't. I mean, she I mean, she was not in that show. I, I'm talking about the filmation from the '60s. I oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the I, good I want to say, yeah, I want to say, but no, I like the filmation stuff. Okay. <laughs> You know. but no, no, but that's another thing. When I watch that show, I can't think of the Titans. More, I mean, if I read them, I'm thinking of those characters from there. Like the one, like the show they made, they, they came out with. They had Donna Troy on there, and I was disappointed when they killed her. I mean, Deathstroke killed her, mm-hmm. and that part I'm like because Deathstroke killed Aqualad on there too, and I'm like, you starting to make me really like you guys, but you had to go kill two. T- Two of these characters, in which one of them I saw on an animated series, and the other one who's never been in anything at all till now, and I'm like, what is this? Sh-? You know, <laughs> I had, I was speechless. I'm like, I know who she is. I know who she is. And her and Dick Grayson are like, oh yeah, we used to be on the Teen Titans. We were a team. Yeah, one of them was down there talking to Bruce. <laughs> you want to get in some trouble? And I'm like, you know, because you look at those two and go, they got like a, you know, they got a friendship thing going on where you know, like the opposite of Bruce and Diana being about all about business. Bruce having no time for romance. Where those two, like, they, they could be a couple until start. Starfire came along and Barbara, you know, I mean, I look at the animated stuff even to that. I'm like, you, you could have snuck that in, you know, like, okay, he's Nightwing, but he's over there with the Titans. <laughs> you didn't have to say teen Titans, just say the Titans, mm-hmm. you know, over there and um, whatever. I know where to predate it. It would have predated the 04 show, was it? Um, but I don't know. 04 show, it was good, but it missed a few parts that I liked about the Titans from the little bit that I did read, like the soap opera stuff and cyborg more of a teen titans character than a justice league character and um okay there's jericho but i don't know in the 90s the 90s did not treat him well i'll say that and um trying to think what else i don't know i mean i was watching that show and i just it was just so dark but not like a oh dark and interesting more like a dark and you guys are really trying to be very serious about all this same batman <laughs> too much shock value for my taste. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I might check it out if they port it over to, to HBO Max, which I suspect they will. I suspect the DC Universe app will probably die ignominious death in the next year, within the next year or so. Uh, but I'm not, I was really hyped to watch Doom Patrol. Uh, Teen Titans will be more of a, or whatever, Titans, I guess is what it's called. Well, will be more of a pity. Yeah. we're not Teen Titans. That's going to be a pity <laughs> show for me because I just, I don't have any strong motivation to watch it. So. I mean, I watched both seasons on DVD and, you know, when Donna Troy showed up, I'm like, oh, okay. I know exactly who she is because she's, to me, is always like the one who's left out of things because you always got Wonder Woman and everything no matter what, but not mm-hmm. her. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a problem. That's why you need a Wonder Woman cartoon. And this is something that goes back to the comics is Superman has his family. He's got all these people that are around him that are super related that you even know are super clone. associates. Yeah. And even in the even photoplasmic um, matrix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But you've, there was a, a blogger I liked called uh, Scipio Darling. Uh, and what he would do is he would talk about this thing called dynastic centerpiece. And the idea was if you wanted to have a truly great iconic superhero that was going to be you know one of the the, the big A-listers they, it wasn't enough to just have that one character you needed to have a bunch of associates that kind of built that character up and made them like the central figure in a, in a greater mythos of, of that character's creation and obviously Batman and Superman both have that in spades uh, Flash they did that uh, when Mark Wade was doing all that popular run in the 90s I think part of what propelled the Flash in that time period was that he created that dynasty went into the TV show Exactly. And, and I, I don't know that you would have had the Flash TV show without someone like Mark Wade really building out that character and fleshing them out. And then Wonder Woman has the pieces there. You've got Donna, you've got Cassie, you've got Artemis. And to, you've I, got um, Nubia. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, Jimenez did a little bit with that. Uh, Heinberg did something with that. But nobody's really fleshed it out enough. And if you go back to the original continuity, you know, Donna and uh, Diana did not spend a lot of time together. Before, even no. you know, 
know, up they, through the eighties. One was Titan, one was yeah. Titans, and one was um Justice League, and then they never really met to like maybe to fight one another, but that was about mm-hmm. it. Well, and it doesn't help too that Wonder Woman kept stealing stuff from Wonder Girl, like the the Wonder Girl could just plain fly, and then later on Wonder Woman could just plain fly. There was none of that coasting on wind currents and stuff. And uh, uh, she, jet. and then Wonder Woman steals Cassie Sandsmark's origin. Cassie was the bastard child of Zeus, and now Wonder Woman is. And Which so I'm like, no, 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 don't do that to Cassie because that was another character. I'm like, oh, they made another Wonder Wonder Girl because she was blonde and Donna mm-hmm. was, you know, brunette. And when you mentioned that part, she came from the John Byrne run, was it? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think she's on Young Justice right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that's another one of those deals where she gets introduced, but she has stronger ties and more of a relationship to Artemis, who was training her to be a superheroine. Where Wonder Woman kind of abdicated that responsibility. Wonder Woman is a very isolated figure, and you know, once they got rid of Steve Trevor in '86, up until they started bringing her, having her hang out with Nemesis, and then the New 52, they started getting a little bit more use out of Steve Trevor. But she's always this isolated figure, and you can't act like she's a, a part of the Trinity. You can't act like she's up there with Superman and Batman if she doesn't have that greater mythos of characters that surround her and support her. And they're like always Eddie off- Candy. Eddie Candy's another one, but again, Eddie Candy was minimized greatly in the Perez run, and then largely forgotten for years afterwards. Which I mean, I'm reading the per- I'm reading the um, Jimenez run right now. I haven't seen her yet. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't recall her being around very much. I, if I recall, really, Jimenez did a lot more stuff with the Amazons, and of course, again, he did have Artemis and, and Cassie in there. Uh, he, he had did- Artemis, Cassie, and Donna mm-hmm. and Hippolyta, but Anna was nowhere to be found. Yeah. Yeah. So there have been people who've tried to do it, but it has been handled consistently. And I think you need something like a cartoon. You need something where these are the characters we have to work with. We're not going to be distracted by all these other types of characters. We're not going to be distracted right. by all you these other guest stars and a few cameos, or she calls this person when goes down. You know, hey, yeah. I know somebody that can help us out. Artemis, right? Yeah. And Artemis is doing her thing. And however, the way they want to design her, because Artemis was like another character I remember, because I think I'd see like a cover, of like the um, William Messer Globe run on Comic Vine, where she's dressed up like Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman was. Was it? Mm-hmm. And I always thought, like, okay, she has red hair, but she has like the wings on her boots and stuff. You know, she's a bit more ferocious, right? Mm-hmm. And I know she was nowhere on Grant Morrison's Justice League, but I don't know. I'm trying to think of a what if scenario. What if she were? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> to me, she always seemed like, I think she was voiced by Rosario Dawson on the first animated Wonder Woman movie they did. Mm-hmm. And then later on, Rosario Dawson. I, well, I, I if I recall correctly, uh, Rosario Dawson was the voice of Wonder Woman in the New 52 flavored movies. And it was Carrie Russell that was the voice in the solo movie. Okay, all right. Because, see, I got, I got both those movies. Mm-hmm. I got that one in Bloodlines, which is kind of like it. a... It's kind of like a loose adaptation of what Perez and Phil Jimenez was doing because yeah. they had Silver Swan, mm-hmm. which was Vanessa. What was her name? Vanessa Capitalis is uh, the Silver Swan. Yeah. Okay. Her name doesn't roll off my her name doesn't roll off my tongue, but you know she's red hair. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that, yeah, is, it's a definitely a mouthful. Vanessa Capitalis is a lot of syllables to throw, and, and especially it's somebody who's not like uh, you know. I, I was reading a lot of that stuff with her, the early Perez run, while as it was coming out. So I've had decades to absorb that, but to throw that at, at new people. People, especially if it's a character that really gets forgotten about for a few decades there it's a lot to expect people to remember be able to remember a name like that after that many years and that little presence because yeah, i don't know i mean i was i got i got that animated movie and i was mm-hmm. watching it and i watched it like yesterday and i'm thinking to myself well, okay all right i see some i, I mean because i was aware of these characters came from this and i like what they do with etta candy making her one she's black number two she, she's just as good as steve trevor at getting out of the shit, you know she mm-hmm. can she, she can defend herself but at the same time also be like hey no we need to go help out wonder woman shame they didn't kill it off that universe now because i would have liked to see more of 
you know, those adventures. But I don't know. That's the thing with um, Justice League Dark. I feel like that ruined any return to see what else um, Faux New 52 Wonder Woman would have done. Yeah, I I thought I really enjoyed the last couple of Justice League movies. They were tangentially Timverse, the uh, Doom, and the Justice League of Two Worlds. And once I realized they were bringing in that 52 material, I that was just my stopping point. I'm I'm not sure that I've watched any of those cards. I, I, okay, I, I watched a Suicide one. Uh, Mr. Fix-It maybe watch a Suicide one. But for the most part, I don't think I watched any of those cartoons after that point. Uh, just I mean, like the well, 52. I think it was, it was Wonder Woman's bloodline that I got. That's yeah, the one I'm still, about. still haven't watched it. I, 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 ought I, mean, to. I, like, I mean, I like what he did with Cheetah. Dr. Poison was an interesting choice mm. because I'm sure this was like either before the movie or after the movie. Because I could tell when these things come out, like if, if the movie's coming out, they're going to put this to coincide with say, the, either the home release or the theatrical release. And they had Giganta on there, which she didn't like old school Giganta, but she's there. Mm-hmm. And they had like Dr. Cyber, who, I don't know, that was another weird one where I'm like, because I think she showed up one time on Justice League Unlimited, kind of as a training simulation that Supergirl fought against. Mm-hmm. And also the Queen Queen Bee character from Justice League, I mean, um, Grant Morrison's Justice League. I don't know, that's the thing. Wonder Woman's villains are scattered all over the place. And when I do see them in animation, like, this should be more done with them. Yeah, as like, just one-offs. And, and Dr. Cyber is such an odd one because, you know, she made a handful of appearances in the 60s and 70s. Nothing was done with her for about a decade. They bring her back and she's basically like a, a Doctor Doom type for her. Then she gets dropped again for another 20-odd years. And then she's made these weird little tepid appearances here and there ever since. Um, so it's one of those deals where it would be very easy for somebody to forget that it even was a woman villain. But mm-hmm. if they put it in the cartoon, that might actually be one reason for me to be able to bother with it, just to get to see her, you know, a, a more thoroughly explored animation. Although from the sounds of it, she's fourth or fifth build, so I guess it isn't too she much is, of a role. Medusa is like the main villain, and <laughs> Medusa, I mean, that's, okay. the, that's, that's the, and she got stooped up because she was manipulating Doctor Poison, Giganta, Cheetah, and Doctor Cyber, and Veronica Kill, which is another character mm-hmm. who I had to look up. Where I'm like, okay, I mean. I like what it, I get like, if you're a person new to Wonder Woman and you don't know who any of these people are this would be great I mm-hmm. guess but if you're somebody like me who's done a little research you know you're kind of like well you're really doing a lot of pre-New 52 post-crisis Bronze Age callbacks here and is this really for the fans or is this like if you want to introduce these villains to new people because I'm sure nobody I'm sure at least between Cheetah and Giganta people know who they are at least they've seen them and it can go oh that's the strong woman that can grow real tall and that's the Cheetah woman <laughs> yeah. yeah and Veronica Kale was Greg Rucka's female Lex Luthor and I just can't see her much beyond that she's never shown me anything that made me see her as anything other than Greg Rucka's Lex Luthor stand-in so to me I mean I saw her like in the question pipeline that Greg Rucka did with um with, with Renee Montoya mm-hmm. and Huntress you know trying to solve a solve some type of mysterious thing where people were getting kidnapped and whatever and Vandal Savage was like the main bad guy but I remember she showed up on there for like a little bit because I got that trade too because I, I don't know I was found myself before before the movies came out and all that, I was just busy trying to read DC stuff that was tangentially tangentially related to say the stuff I'd seen in animation. So I just kind of knew who her name Montoya was. So I'm like, oh, she's a question. I'm gonna go read this. And before the Batwoman show, I was reading like eulogy. So I bought the hard the deluxe um hardcover to that because at the time before they they started doing what they're doing now. I was already kind of like, oh, I wonder who this is. And then I'm thinking they may never make a movie or whatever with any of these characters because, or if they're in animation, they might just show up one time and never again because, you know, Batman and Superman are the money makers or just Batman by himself, which sucks. <laughs> you know, because I'm like, there's more people besides Batman. 
I mean, that's the thing. It's like I get kind of annoyed with it because I'm like, I like Batman as much as the next person. And I got my favorites of Batman, like DCAU version. And okay, what Grant Morrison did a little bit because it got weird, but it got in the fun weird. And then it's Brave and the Bold Batman, which I like because he's just, he's just fun, you know? Mm-hmm. And he teamed up with everybody. So Batman had needed some help. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I got like season one of that show on DVD now because I don't know. I saw it. I'm like, oh, like all 32 episodes. Yeah, I'm buying that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think on the Wonder Woman Bloodlines Blu-ray, I got, they got like a, um, a, a bonus, like two episodes of Batman Brave and the Bold. One of them featuring Wonder Woman, Superman and Batman. The episode I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And I watched that like five times because I'm like, this this, you know, this is super friends. <laughs> But better, right. <laughs> you know, it's like super friends without it being, you know, to the point where I can't tell who is who. It's like, well, Superman's basically is pre pre crisis self, basically where he could do anything, and one of them's pre crisis on there. I mean, Batman pre crisis. You know, I say it was like before Alan Moore and all of them had their way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were smiling, hanging out in the diner, eating cheeseburgers and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> Which when I look at that show, I'm like, yeah, you guys got it right. So if I were to delineate both universes, like the DCAU and the Brave and the Bold one. They're clearly two different pl- two different planes of existence. Mm-hmm. Except you got um, Robbie Reyes, um, Blue Beetle. You know Jamie Reyes, Blue Beetle, um, Brave and the Bold, and Ted Cord's dead, but he wasn't killed by by Maxwell Lord. And you got Booster Gold flying around, and you know you have all that going on. Mm-hmm. And I geeked out on that show too much, Brave and the Bold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rather than the DCAU stuff, I got to take it like it's funny in some spots, but it got very serious yeah it, it, something like brave of the bold you can just you know uh um you can be loose it's it's light it's easy you don't have to get so, sometimes the more serious stuff can be a drag so it's nice to have a break and just you know enjoy the goofiness of a show like brave of the bold which when i saw that one woman episode i'm like oh 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 i know what y'all did now this could be great Mm-hmm. And I mean, the baseball scenes, what kind of made me kind of go, okay, this is this is wacky, this is funny, but it's done in such a tongue in cheek way where it's played straight. And I think that's probably why I like it the most because, you know, they're not being bah ha, you know, bra ha ha funny. They're more like, you know, like um, the naked gun. Mm-hmm. A few sight gags here and there, you know, except, you know, Leslie Nielsen might be playing Batman mm-hmm. <laughs> or Adam West. Cause I had to look at that version of Batman. It's almost like Adam West is played by Dietrich Bader. Mm-hmm. So kind of got this whole like, well, you know what? I'm always serious all the time. I very rarely tell jokes mm-hmm. versus Kevin Conroy might as well be like, swear. No, no, not swear to me. I am the knight, <laughs> <laughs> which I know in that cartoon on um, Justice League, they're trying to get Batman and Wonder Woman to hook up, which still to this day is kind of a weird one. No one went, Batman becomes in that universe, being old and alone in his in his big old mansion, and Terry comes along and you know spurs him back and like, hey, we must you must go out there and stop the criminals. And like, all right, fine, Terrence. It, it makes me tired when they try to make Wonder Woman a trophy for either Superman or Batman. I don't, which I don't mean, care about their relationship. I don't even see her with Superman to be quite. I look at her working with Batman, like they're just friends from work. You know, she's not trying to get in their pants. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Steve like Tr- you mentioned the Aquaman thing, and Christopher Priest had. had uh, inferred that Aquaman had a thing for Wonder Woman in, in one of the JLA Secret Files stories. Aquaman makes more sense to me just as, as somebody who's not in the big three but I also like that she never seemed to reciprocate that either. I just like that it, it's an instance where one of the male heroes is crushing hard on a female heroine that he's not going to get. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, oh, was this um, hook hand Aquaman? Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, because I think when I was reading Grant Morrison's JOA, those two did not get along. He's, he's like, get out of my ocean. He's like, Arthur, knock it off. All right, I'm trying to tell you, we're being invaded by aliens right now. Right, oh, right. they're not in my sea right now, so go buzz off. But I'm trying to read him as like um, the Jason Momoa version, mm-hmm. which I'm like, mm-hmm. as opposed to the Brave and the Bold, he's like, yeah, sure, Wonder Woman, we'll go on a rolling adventure. <laughs> Outrageous. <laughs> Outrageous. Now, let me tell you another great story. When me and Wonder Woman kicked ass of um, some white Martians, <laughs> it was great. And then Batman just shakes his head like, oh, no, oh, why me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why am I on the same team as these two? Because I mean, uh, that's another thing, which on that show, I liked it. Aquaman not being a jerk. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's just, he just likes being Aquaman and telling great stories. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that uh, Aquaman is a property that works better when he's trying to ingratiate himself to you. I think that he's already got enough uh, problems with being the water guy who talks to fish. Yeah, you, you need to give people a reason to like him. You don't give, need to give him a reason to dislike him. So don't give I mean, him a like When attitude. I watched the movie of Aquaman, I was like, at least I, I get it. He doesn't want to be king. And okay, fine. I saved the world one time. Leave it alone. I'm going to drink my beer. Yeah. I'm gonna take a selfie with y'all, and um, I'm not getting involved. No, no, you know, you know how that movie went. Well, yeah, he, he's got an attitude, but he's still ultimately kind of a positive dude. You know, for the most part, he's a pretty, you yeah, know, happy, lucky I, guy. I call him Surfer Dude Aquaman because it's kind of what he was. Like he would hang out with Lobo, maybe fight Lobo. He wouldn't say anything's outrageous. Yeah. Well, but Jason anyway, Momoa should have been Lobo. He he <laughs> would have been perfect for Lobo. So they, there's definitely an Aqua Bro kind of thing, Lobo <laughs> kind of thing going on there. And him and Wonder Woman. You're right. It would make sense. And I'm like I could I could I could see those two together. It'd be like four and I don't know whoever four would go with. I mean, was it Lady Sir Surf? Was uh, it uh, Sif? Sif, Lady Sif. Which in those movies, it never even it never even touched it. Mm-mm. Just or friends. with um, Enchantress. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked the the whole Enchantress Thor thing. I, I like that he's the, the you know she's a beautiful woman and he falls for it time and time again. Uh, you know, and it's never going to end well. Uh, so yeah, that that seems like a really good match for Thor because it's just a recipe for trouble and he works best when he's in trouble. And in a way, it's like I want to see Chris Helmsworth and Enchantress. You know, it's for and him and Enchantress kind of, you know, like it's the opposite of what him and Loki has to go through because Loki's his brother. You know, with Enchantress, like, no, 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 she's the other girl on the other side of Asgard who's trying to, you know, throw a booty call at him. And sometimes she sends, um, um, trying to think, uh, the executioner just sometimes to rough him up because, mm-hmm. like, you know, I got to throw some danger in here or, or he won't show up here. Actually, you know what would be cool about uh, having Enchantress in the Thor movies would be to have her beguile both Thor and Valkyrie at the same time. I would like to see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, would, I honestly would pay money to watch that opening day. Uh, for, for those who to have a rivalry where they're both ch- chased after the same woman, yeah, that, that could be a lot of fun. And they're both... I mean, the, I mean you give me that, I'm sold. Because mm-hmm. before I didn't like Thor either. I mean, okay, Thor was a character we all heard of and he fought the Hulk, all right, but he was never my favorite. I think there was like the Walt Simons and stuff but beyond that i wasn't thinking i'm gonna go read a ford comic you know it's kind of like the same way with iron man and captain america with those it's like i okay they teamed up with spider-man but that was about that was about it i didn't go out my way going oh yeah i kind of like this character because x reason and i didn't like this character because this reason so when i look at the dc movies like that botched film justice league what they did with they kind of hit it at wonder woman and aquaman maybe but you know you got mirror to worry about you know aquaman's baby mama Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I look at it to this day and go like Namor Namor would probably wouldn't want to be tied down Aquaman I guess he needs you know he needs somebody to be like come home to to be his queen well and I'm a, I'm a big believer in you've got DC and you got Marvel and you need 
to make sure that you show the differences between the concepts, not the similarities. And right. so for Namor to be the guy who's endlessly, uh, uh, you know, restless in that respect, where Aquaman trying to get every blonde that he sees. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where Aquaman's the kind of guy he's got the, the he's got Mera, and Mera's always going to be the end game for him. And you can have some other stuff in the midst of that, but ultimately it has to end with Mera. I mean, you you could do Wonder Woman as like the intermediate between, but you know. Well, and again, I I don't really want her with superheroes. You know, I I think that it's always going to be a trophy when it's another superhero. I think that when she's picking somebody like a Steve Trevor or a Nemesis, uh, it's mm. it's about her. Where when okay. you bring when you have her with another superhero, it's about the dude too often. Uh, yeah, working at all right, making basically getting together with your work buddy, and then that gets complicated when mm. the two just can't get along or see eye to eye again. Well, and it's I, just I also mean, that'd be another thing. Yeah, that's why I didn't like her in Superman. Because I'm thinking, yeah. well, you two, everybody looks at y'all. Yeah, she's <laughs> always going to be second bill under Superman or Batman, and that's just not fair to her. She deserves better than mm. that. No, with Steve Trevor, it's like he's another character who I kind of like, but at the same time, also I'm kind of like I know why she saves him because he might as well be like her lowest lane. You know, if I can use that and if I can use that parallel a little bit. Oh cause, yeah, because of the TV show, he was always there to save save his ass. Mm-hmm. And you know, he was in love of her. She was in love of him, and. You know, I, that I can wrap my head around. So I'm thinking in the movie when, that, you know, he ends up going on like Captain America. <laughs> yeah. like, where I'm like, uh, he's going to be a found in the ice, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> does, does, does him and Steve share stories about being trapped in the Arctic <laughs> and Namor throwing one of them back? <laughs> well, I mean, that's one of the few people that could call Steve Rogers old man or young man. <laughs> your boy? Yeah. Yeah, young man. Boy, let me tell you about the First World War. Yeah, right. In the first one, we had to fight Dr. Poison. And he's like, Steve's like, yeah, I never heard of Dr. Poison. Well, anyways, my guardian angel, Diana, came by and saved my ass out mm-hmm. of the fire. I was in a plane, though. I mean, you was in a plane, right? Yeah, I was in a plane. I was America's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I was America's larger than average. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to think. I mean, that's a Marvel DC crossover. You can do that. Mm-hmm. That, that would be fun. That would, that would, that would make me that would make me laugh because i think because wonder woman and captain america to me are a little bit like you know they fought you know they fought during the two pivotal times in american history well, you know i, I want to ship cap and wonder woman but the fact is i don't think either of them would ever make the move i think they're both too kind of shy in that respect so i don't think it would ever happen you have to have somebody who's who's more motivated than either one of them to initiate a relationship so i no, think no, those Peggy two carter steve mm-hmm. trevor yeah <laughs> Like, Peg, they Peggy, both have a date to go to. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 all the women in Steve's life are lighting the fire under his feet. So, you know, he's... And Steve is like, I, I can't do it. Yeah. I don't know what to do. <laughs> exactly. Steve, exactly. Well, Steve is like, yeah. <laughs> Where, you know, that's just why him and Wonder Woman get along. And, you know, the actor Lyle Wagner, mm-hmm. I know he died like last, I think this year. Recently, yeah. Yeah, and I got kind of sad about that one. I think I retweeted that. That's another thing where I'm like, I know I, wa- I, know I watched that show. It was like that one in The Incredible Hulk and Sci-Fi Channel used to play those shows all the time. Mm-hmm. And I can think it was 2000 or I think like 2000 or 1999 because mm-hmm. my uncle had like, um my uncle had like, I had like the satellite program stuff, you know, where we could watch Sci-Fi Channel and stuff. And, you know, Incredible Hulk would be on first. You know, you see the shirt rip and Hulk wandering from town to town, you know, want to be left alone. Then you got Wonder Woman come on and Steve Trevor fighting Nazis, you know, getting his Nazi scalps with Wonder Woman. That was yeah. season one, but, you mm-hmm. know, minus the scalps because they didn't do that. <laughs> That's Quentin Tarantino 
both right. Wonder Woman, which I'm sure to be 100% more feet in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, a, a, a very similar circumstance, except for me, it was a local uh, syndication. Uh, both Wonder Woman and uh, Hulk, if I remember correctly, were on Houston 39, which oh, at one okay. time was a WB affiliate, but this was well before that. Um, so yeah, they, it would run. Uh, the Hulk got a better time slot. Wonder Woman, you had to actually kind of wake up for where the Hulk would be more like an afternoon weekend kind of thing. So Yeah, and on Sci-Fi Channel, they played them both back to back. And I think that's what made me interested in the character at a young age because, okay, on Super Friends, she's just one of the, you know, she does stuff, but she doesn't, you don't see her own adventure. The Super Friends are kind of interchangeable. They're, they're very much reflective of the 60s Justice League where they're Silver all good age. people. Or, sorry, yeah, Silver Age Justice League, where they're all good people, but they're mostly differentiated by their powers rather than their personalities. I mean, Black Vulcan, we don't talk about him, so mm-hmm. I talk about him again. <laughs> and Wonder Woman being like the only woman on that team, which I look at it now and go, that was very sexist. That's the thing with like the DC animated stuff. They had the best voice casting. I mean, yeah, Andrew Romano was so excellent as a voice casting even, director. Even, even when it was stunt casting, I'm like, I'm, I'm following, I fell in love with this character. I don't know what their name is. I'm looking it up later that character's awesome you know yeah. like well it's even, even like you know uh you had tim daly doing superman in the cartoon and then once they um which switched over to justice league he had to be replaced but uh george newburn was great and was still you had a continuity of, of vocal qualities between those two actors you know that that's superman not an easy was pretty thing. chill mm-hmm. yeah. yeah superman was pretty chill you could tell he was a good guy and he meant well mm-hmm. even though tim daly's on there felt like he's doing his best not to lose control you know i mean mm-hmm. i mean when you watch that last episode of justice league when george newburn was like you know when Dark Side showed up, merged with Brainiac and everything. That's another one. I'm like, oh, that guy does a really good Tim Daly. Even though Tim Daly's on the other, it felt like it's, you know, this is a Superman who knew who knew who he was and what he was going to do. And, he, you know, even when he had to put up with Batman, he had fun with it, though. Mm-hmm. Which, with Wonder Woman, though, I mean, Wonder Woman was pretty serious most of the time. Mm-hmm. Even when Superman died on that cartoon, where I'm like, she was finna kill Toy Man. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I think Wonder Woman was kind of a stiff on that show, and that was a bit of a drag. He's kind of like right there with um, John Jones. They were both very they both were very serious where the Flash and even um, John Stewart you know where he, even he knew how to relax mm-hmm. even Hot Girl for crying out loud right and I think that's probably why I like her more than Wonder Woman on that cartoon a little bit where I'll talk about Wonder Woman but Hot Girl's the one that keeps coming up because she just well, had this fiery personality it's a problem that DC has always had uh, I, I've been having this argument for decades now is that Marvel gradually intentionally intentfully diversified their universe throughout the, the run of of their series and so they've got a whole bunch of really great characters and, and it works and DC decided starting in the 80s to just try to, to force some inclusion to just try to diversify a little bit but it was always contrived for the most part mm-hmm. it's always them pushing you know well, we're going to do this now and then they backpedal or they, they lose their, their will to continue with it and they go back to the old thing and it was one thing when they did that in the 80s with Jon Stewart even though they'd done such a great job building up the character in the 80s I think was Nubia in anything the, you know, Wonder Woman. the thing with Nubia is you know, she was introduced in the 70s. She had a three-issue arc, and then nothing was done with her for about a quarter century. Because I think and she... I you think, think right about now would be a good time to bring her back. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, they, they've... Uh, my understanding, I thought that they had a version of Nubia turn up somewhere relatively recently. Uh, I can't tell you what exactly. It might have been in the Wonder Woman series, but I, I, if you go to one of the wikis, the DC wikis, you'll find that she 
she has more appearances all of a sudden. So she's turning up somewhere. But I think it's like a new adult, uh, young adult book coming out. There was that too. Yeah. There, but, but but beyond I, I that, I might get that out of more curiosity. Sure, it could be great. Um, they they had a, a um, I I think it's tied in. I want to say it's tied into. I don't know. I don't want to say. I'm not sure if it's tied into that one uh, Earth where the the Calvin Harris Superman is. I'm aware of that one. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's that because they're doing a lot of multiverse stuff right now. But they are doing stuff besides that young adult book with that character. But I, I haven't been exposed to it yet. And I, mean, I, I, like I checked on it. More of her, I like to see more of her in continuity. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, like even when they rebooted everything after post crisis, they could have easily had her be one of the main cast there. Right. I mean, Perez could have done it. Yeah. Nobody probably wouldn't object it to it. But you got to think to myself back then, the people who probably read the book in the 70s probably didn't take to that character. Even though you look at it now and everybody be like, oh, there's Black Wonder Woman. I'm going to read that. And then you're going to get your people who's going to bitch about it, which, you know, them. But mm-hmm. I'm like this. I'm like this. I want to see more different things that ain't just like regular and like an alternate reality. Yeah. But if you do do it in animation, that's when you really start to really, you know, build upon it, build yeah. upon it, make it compelling. Make this, you know, if you put her in animation, you make her compelling. Yeah. I, I think one of the issues in the 80s was that when you've got a name like Nubia, I think they felt like it was a little too on the nose. I think that they were very risk averse and offensive averse. And so I think what mm-hmm. happened is they decided they were going to do stuff with Nubia, but they very much highlighted the character of Philippus, the general of the Amazons in the 80s under the Perez run. And there was always a strong inference that Philippus was in a relationship with Hippolyta. So in that respect, Philippus was a much more prominent and important character of the Wonder Woman mythos than Nubia was. Um, okay, so she's like post-crisis Nubia. To, to some degree, obviously, she fills a much different role because she's a significant other to Hippolyta and she's the general of her army. So I'm trying to she, say, was she in the movie? I, I think they do have a Philippus in the movie, if I remember correctly. Obviously, not a major role. But and they, she's there. I want to say that she's present. I, I think that I, I'm pretty sure she's in one of the animated movies and I believe that she's in the, the live action movie as well but again obviously not very prominent because you didn't even notice her I know um, they're not going to sell any DC direct action figures but yeah and, and in the case of Nubia I think what happened is I think that there's more of a fan response because there's an African American woman who wrote a short arc on Wonder Woman which brought back Nubia in a very different uh, aspect she she has a completely different backstory she's not the quote unquote soul sister of Wonder Woman you know <laughs> like they did back in the 70s um, well, so it just wasn't like doing like the reaction to Black Lightning during that time was it I, well, honestly there the i think the aversion to using nubia in the 80s onward was related to stuff like black vulcan where you know why they always got to be black blank you know even i get tired of it to be quite honest with you yeah though. exactly exactly so i think that there's that concern but there's clearly a desire for a wonder woman type of color and so it's usually african-american creators i think there's an african-american creator on the young adult book uh there was an african-american creator on the uh, 90s appearances um that she only did like three or four issues of the book and where the, and she made a point of introducing a new Nubia this one had an apost- apostrophe in her name um, mm. and uh, Phil Jimenez did a little bit of stuff with her as well I'm but, about to get to that though whenever I can yeah but it's always been very hesitant because I think they're just really afraid of doing something offensive but if you look on the internet you see a lot of fan created content for Nubia and I was going to make some fan art myself <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so I think they look at the fan demand and they look at the fact that regardless of not having used her very often you do have the historical context of this being a character that's 50 odd years old at this point almost right. um, and I think they recognize that they you can't you can try to introduce new characters and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but there's always a certain integrity you have from a character that actually is from the time period and so mm-hmm. I, I do think that there is a drive to do more with her and I, I look forward to doing that because I think she's a really fun character and again I uh, you, you've got the whole dynastic centerpiece thing again and mm-hmm. Superman finally got a black member of the family in the 90s and Which it's like a Wonder Woman 
Yeah, it steals <laughs> awesome. Love John and Henry Irons. Um, but uh, but Wonder Woman had it 15, 20 years before then, and mm-hmm. it, there's currency in that. You need to spend that currency. You need to. I mean, they could, I mean, if they wanted to, John Henry Irons it a little bit. They could. Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't have to use the. You know, let's say you revamp Nubia and make her say her power is a more technological base, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to go that route, or if you want to do the meta human route, who's a you know a, a, a young meta human black woman who's inspired by Wonder Woman's hero, you know, heroics, you know, decides well I'm going to be a Wonder Woman in my own right. Like say when they killed Wonder Woman in the nineties, they could have. I know they probably didn't want to do the whole death of Superman thing again. Yeah, of another character, but I mean Batman had Azrael running around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just that you know if, if the characters were there, take advantage of it. You know, you don't have to yeah. necessarily go into the decks or if you don't want to. But when they reintroduced her in the nineties, I want to say it was very similar to what they did with Cheetah, where she was like betrothed to some godlike being, and they they were they one spurned the other one, and so they were in this conflict, and she like derived her powers from the relationship or something. It was it was so weird. She tried, and they basically tied her to a man to be mm-hmm. like, well, she doesn't get her power except for this guy, and that's the only way she's gonna be, you know, as powerful as she is in her own right. But I don't know. I don't know but back then, I mean, you look at. I mean, I look at this stuff now and go like, yeah, I see the intention, but the care and the thoughtfulness was a little bit missing. I know they had to hit deadlines and stuff like that. And that's the thing as a cat. I, I didn't have. A, I had no Wonder Woman figures. <laughs> Which is strange, you know. I used to make paper dolls, <laughs> like go in a coloring book and trace them as they look like. I mean, the '90s versions, anyways. I used to trace them and cut them out and color them and stuff. I think I did that for every superhero that I saw on Super Friends and what I saw <laughs> in the cartoon. Because that cartoon was like an obsession. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know who Hal Jordan was. <laughs> I didn't know who Barry Allen was. I knew who Hawkman was. He was my least favorite, anyway. Because <laughs> he reminded me of the guys from Flash Gordon. No, oh, true, true. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a ripoff of Flash Gordon. There's no about it except hot girl was cooler though when i was a teenager go like oh i can get my i can get behind her right <laughs> i wish i was green lantern with her right now <laughs> one of the, but, one of the, uh, you know one of the benefits of it's being raised by women was I, nobody gave me any static if i wanted anything girly and of course i valued women from an early age so i had the Mego pocket heroes wonder woman i had the superpowers wonder woman and i i can't tell you how many bad trades i did to get one of those rare woman action figures you know to get a Tila to get a evil Lynn to get you know some of the Shira figures. One of the great things is was uh, thrift stores. You know because mm-hmm. a lot a lot of times you'd be able to find uh, some of those female characters bagged up and none of the boys wanted them there and they'd already been sold out of retail to the degree they were ever packed up there in the first place. So I would often score there. But I, I was lucky enough to get a lot of female figures growing up because I always wanted. The I think I had like a rogue and like a miniature version of Rogue and a miniature version of um, Storm and I never got Jubilee. I with a Wonder Woman on the other hand, it's like I want to get animated Wonder Woman. I want to get, you know, Golden Age Wonder Woman, you know, with the skirt and everything. Might as well be Hippolyta then, if we're going by post-crisis um, logic. Uh, Martian Manhunter, I'm kind of like, well, I will get the cartoon version. Um, uh, yeah, Flash, I got, on the I got, other hand, I get the cartoon version of him. Yeah. Martian Manhunter is one of the only exceptions where I'll buy the majority of the figures that come out of Martian Manhunter. The Justice League broke me because there were just too many, and I got tired of, here's the clear, transparent version, and here's the version that's half shape-shifting, and you plop, you know, pop it on, and that kind of broke me but I, the, most of the characters though I stopped buying and one woman in particular thankfully because she started picking up that sword as soon as they kept making action figures with her with the sword I stopped buying all those action figures so which I've never great... bought one yeah. that's the thing I never bought one when they started doing all that and I was almost going to when Justice League movie came out because I'm thinking I this crappy movie because I knew too much about it beforehand so I'm like because I think the Wonder Woman movie came out before that one and at the time I don't know what it was I just wasn't in the mood to buy DC figures because I was buying more Marvel figures because I was I was right on that hype of like Infinity War and you know for Ragnarok and all of them were like yeah 
<laughs> you know, uh, but we're in DC on the other. I'm like, I want to buy your movie figures, but it's just the colors to them. Like at least with the ones I do have, they're, they're colorful. You can squint in your eyes. You can see the yellow belt, you know, the yellow with the red and blues and grays and whatever. But with one of them, like I, I expect to see more color there because of her costume. Mm-hmm. Or at least see, a, at least I, it sounds very specific, but like, I want to see the Wonder Woman like, when she had like the nineties costume, the Diodato and them drew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I kind of want to get a figure of that. I know it sounds very weirdly specific. No, I mean, I haven't I, even I'd be more inclined. Right like if they were to put out like an Artemis figure or biker Wonder Woman, I'd have to buy that just for pure nostalgia reasons because I know that it'd probably be the only time they ever did that. And I, um, to me, I'd buy it because A, I wouldn't be in the nostalgia be like, well, that's a rarity. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. I don't see too many of these flying up to chill, so I better get that one. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I get like, well, Wonder Woman with, you know, um, arm cannon action. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but well, I mean, part of it too is just I'm a cheapskate. I don't want to spend the money they charge, but they're charging $20 for an action figure. I'm like, nah, nah, pass on that. But like they did uh, uh, Bishop as his first appearance when Vols Portacio did him. I had to buy mm-hmm. that one. Uh, they did uh, Death's Head, you know, the, the classic Death's Head from the British comics. Oh, Peacekeeping Agent S. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I had to buy that one. Now, I'd love it if they would do the green costume as opposed to the blue and yellow Brian Hitch costume, but mm-hmm. I'm still going to buy both of them if they give me the opportunity. I wish I'd bought Minion, but I just never got around to bothering with the Minion figure they put out. So. Man, well, see, that's the thing. I, Liam Sharp followed me on Twitter, so it's like, I remember his death head. His death's head before the other one, you know, mm-hmm. the goofy one, because his series one looked all very gnarly looking. Mm-hmm. And I think I read like one or two issues of that, and I should have bought more, but I just lost interest. I, I've been a Liam Sharp fan since buying that miniseries off the stands based on my affection for Death's Head from buying the original series. And I, I got to meet him. He did a commission of uh, Vasquez from Aliens for me. Oh, and, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, he was really cool and he was super excited to work on Wonder Woman. And he got to sh- he showed me the pages from Wonder Woman before it had come out. So I got to see the new Cheetah before the- people had seen that yet. <laughs> so I gave you this little sneak preview. And I, I-, I was sworn <laughs> to secrecy, so I didn't tell anybody I got to see it. But it was so cool to see how excited he was and talking about the work he put into redesigning Cheetah because Cheetahs have such a unique head. And he wanted to reflect that in the design. And he was just so enthused about it and just absolutely killing himself with the detailing he was putting into those those issues. I want to get I want to get his run. I, I mean him and Ruck on that. I don't enjoy the writing terribly much, but I love looking at Liam Sharp's artwork. So well, um, I mean um, if the art's good, I'm good. Yeah, well and, and I'm in the minority. <clears throat> I'm not a Ruck guy. I just find his work really derivative and I, I just don't find that it appeals to me much. I think I like I like Ruck in like little bits. I don't yeah. like you know the, I don't know what it is. Like I like when he writes Renee Montoya and Batwoman mm-hmm. and Wonder Woman I'm like up and down on. Yeah, yeah. And he did a whole run on that. He was the last uh, writer on the of uh, the volume that started in uh, the post-crisis era. He ended that volume yep. uh, before so, the Heinberg uh, launch. And okay. uh, that's I, when Wonder Woman started wearing pants and had a jacket and her almost pre-New 52 look. You know what? You're she, right. You're right. I'm mistaken because you're right. They they did the Odyssey. No, no. The Odyssey was part of the Heinberg run. Also, I think Jerry Ordway did a run on there, which is another, he, I think it's another omnibus I would like to get. He, Jerry Ordway, that's, that wouldn't be an omnibus. Jerry Ordway just did a, like a six-issue arc. Uh, he six did that. Arc. If I remember correctly, him and Walt Simonson did that between uh, the Jimenez run and the Rucker run. Okay, so that's yeah. before? Yeah, yeah. So okay. the, well, she had short hair, right? She did, she did. And I think she was wearing all white, so there's a kind of a reference to the 60s material. Um, but yeah, Rucker was the one who wrote her series uh, it going into cri- uh, Infinite Crisis, and that's why they ended that volume and then restarted the Heimberg That's after run. she killed um, Maxwell Lord. Correct, correct. And they had that run of issues that Rags Morales did. I wish he stuck around. He, he was a really great Wonder Woman artist, but hmm. he, only, he only hung for a few issues, unfortunately. That's the thing with Wonder Woman, though. Like, I can't fit name two 
too many artists that I like. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides Perez, he's always like the first one that comes up whenever I think of Wonder Woman, comic book wise. I mean, I'll notice H.G. Peter. Oh, he's, the, like, the, he's the golden age guy. He's a he's a very specific taste. Most people I mean, his art looks like very, his art to me looks like Greek drawings oh, a yeah, little it, bit. It looks like wood carvings. You know, it looks like he literally carved it into wood rather than drawing it with pencil and ink. You know, because I did because I did I think I, at my local library in the town I stay at, I used to check that book out all the time because I'm like, oh, pre-crisis Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean the writing. I knew what the writing was. I knew what to expect. The art, I know them like just I just wouldn't even read the words. I just look at the art and mm-hmm. like. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh, it's it's wild! It's wild stuff. Uh, Ross Andrew did some really great stuff in the Silver Age. I'm a big Mike Sikowski fan, but that's not for everybody. I mean, uh, he did Justice League back then, did he? He did. He was the one who did Justice League, but his work on Wonder Woman I thought was a lot better. Um, okay, because see, he's another one which I think I've seen little bits and pieces of pieces of his art, like you know his pages, like when somebody on Twitter would tweet, you know, here's a page of um, Wonder Woman from the '60s, and you know she had like those um, ballet shoes. Yeah, she well, she didn't wear the same. Uh, she wore different outfits throughout that run okay so it, everybody thinks she just ran around in a white jumpsuit all the time that wasn't the case dick giordano did a lot of those issues too whether he was inking or doing the full pencils and inks he was great uh, i'm a fan of jose delbo um jose luis garcia lopez has done a fair amount of work on her and those, exactly exactly <laughs> um i i'm a and then in more recent well okay in the post-crisis era besides perez i really loved paris collins's take on the character um, Are there another artist named chris Marinin or something i i, I hate his stuff i hate i'm sorry i, I hate his run i wasn't gonna bring him up because i just i hate his art so much on that i think seen his name on the credits of a cover one time yeah i, I think he was the guy who later on drew like a wild star series i he mean did. jared orway's creator owned character yeah, and that was a little bit better because he had a little bit more of a, a cartoony eric larson stylized yeah quality. i think it's probably why why i saw his art and was thinking oh yeah that guy looks like eric larson is he yeah. drawing wonder woman he never did <laughs> no on wonder woman he just was this super bland you know i hate i hate that run um, he wasn't even trying to do a. Um, he wasn't even trying to do a Perez, right? No, no. It was just there was a, a group of artists in that time period that just drew like generic, plain paper comics. I just like I don't know how to describe it. It's just like functional. It looked like they were doing uh, um, like instructions to build a cabinet or something. You know, uh, it, it, was, <laughs> so it was a dynamic like it, the Image Boys, right? It, it, it's <laughs> like Marvel. I think they were the artists that they would circulate pamphlets to GIs to make sure they get VD and like you know. <laughs> it, so it's like Chris. Marinin was one of those guys. Uh, back in those days, uh, Dwayne Turner was one of those guys. Graham Nolan was one of those guys. A lot of the DC guys from that time period just were boring, super boring. Uh, I mean, but, that's probably why I didn't, I mean, I don't know what it was. I mean, Superman was like one of the few books that I did get that looked interesting mm-hmm. in the 90s. Yeah. So I think that's probably why I probably didn't even check out Wonder Woman at the time. If I probably saw the cover and was like, hey, I want to get that. My uncle probably was like, no, nah, you wouldn't want to read no Wonder Woman. <laughs> but <laughs> like, mom we, like, what you want to do read Wonder Woman for? It ain't going to be no Wonder Woman. I'm like, well, mom, you don't know that <laughs> right don't assume uh but but like lee motor uh had a run on that book um and he has kind of a cartoony style that you might like based on what you've told me uh mm-hmm. they tried to hard sell him when he came on the book they, they it had a house ad that said experience the majesty you know the new artist lee motor <laughs> and he did a nice run on the book deodato jr was very image so it's a, it's in retrospect it's very cheesy but it's still kind of attractive to look at oh uh, broke that shots yeah. right like it's, 
absolutely. So. Yes, definitely get the butts and the boobs in the same shot for sure. I mean, I mean, it's cool. I mean, hey, that's all right. I'm like a knock a style, but at the same time, like, but this is Wonder Woman we're talking about, right? What? She would be like my mama's superhero, right? <laughs> well, my mom exactly. Like that show. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I what I'm Wonder Woman is the one I want to be lusting after. You know, it's not. But yeah, when he was doing it, like every panel was, can I get the butts and the boobs in every single panel? <laughs> so um, basically, Zack Snyder and before Zack Snyder, it, right? It, it, it was uh, Twister the comic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Drew Drew Johnson had a nice run on the book. Um, <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say. I mean, you said Twister to comic. Oh yeah, that's the thing. I only seen covers of a lot of this stuff. So mm-hmm. I mean, I guess my idea of comic book Wonder Woman was okay. She fought monsters. All right, she looks sexy fighting monsters. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh wait, that looks like a pamphlet for like an instruction booklet to the action figure that I want to buy. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Wonder Woman stuff on the other hand, I don't have very much of. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I don't know, just a, I have like a Funko Pop of like the her movie version from Justice League. I know there's a bunch of Funkos right now at Walmart, but for the new movie coming out, but even then I'm kind of like I should be excited for this, but it, you know, like what we're doing right now is like I'm trying to figure out what I'm excited about about her. Mm-hmm. Well, since I- you told me a lot of stuff here where it makes me kind of go like I should keep that in mind or should I just not you know mm-hmm. I mean I'm I'm really I, I you know I'm sure we're going to get another trailer out of that DC fandom thing uh, I yes. loved that trailer and I'm really looking forward to seeing the movie and I wish they just put it out last year like they're supposed to um, yeah. but as you say you want to have something within the comics or within the media that makes you more excited for that movie and of course for me it's like they're doing a lot of things I had issues with the first movie and they're correcting a lot of those things for this movie from the looks of it so i have a lot more reason to be excited um i love that patty jenkins is clearly a fan of the tv show and clearly a mm. fan of the more classic comics and so she's bringing more of those influences in there but even as a wonder woman fan i have trouble recommending comics to people because so much of the material is so bad or because so much of it is so specific to a particular taste like uh angela over at the wonder woman warrior for peace podcast she likes the press stuff because she's a big mythology person and so i can't tell her we'll go read the the super spy stuff from the 60s and 70s and i'm a big fan of uh, where you've got one yeah when you when you've got a lot of people the one one saying lines like I don't really like most women it's like Denny really did you just write that dude come on man um, but uh, but I love that material but that's not even necessarily Wonder Woman for most people you know or like the one I was talking about with William I mean, Mr. Lobes not everybody wants to see Wonder Woman working at Taco Bell I like it I think it I mean, I, I, mean, I, mean I would like to see it I want to read that run mm-hmm. now since you say she worked you know at Taco Bell where I'm like I think I saw that Brian Baldwin cover mm-hmm. and I think I saw that somewhere because I was on Tumblr a lot so I was like if I typed in Wonder Woman or whatever mm. or Brian Ballin I'd see that cover where she's smiling I think I got that like as a background on my phone because it's something I didn't see Wonder Woman doing you know yeah. well, for and me had, it was strange it was cool because it was a nice long extended arc and you didn't necessarily know you were watching like a, a, a Uber arc but the entire Master Loves run is mostly one big story broken up into pieces and because you don't see all the pieces coming together until toward the end you don't know that he's building toward this, this big story arc and unfortunately by the time they get there Mike Diodato Jr. is drawing the book and he's drawing it image style so the story doesn't work great toward the end it's difficult for Mester Loves to make his story work with a bunch of pinup shots throughout and a lot of cheesecake but yeah. you know when Paris uh, Collins was drawing it when Lee Motor was drawing it you got a great sense of her being this wonder this warrior but also having this, this great heart and again the humility the fact that she would do things that other heroes wouldn't do because she didn't recognize scale it's like yeah I'm Wonder Woman but I'm going to help this co-worker collect uh, from a deadbeat dad you know back child support um, because I don't see that there's anything that that's less than saving you know Gateway City from 
become a doomsday clone. You know, for her, it's just two <laughs> problems and she has powers that help her to solve both those problems so she doesn't see one as being less than the other one. And obviously that's not something you would ever get. So it, it's so unique to her character, that that humanity, that humanism that she has. And it's it's the Messner Loeb's run is such a highlight in that respect of showing that character and how different she is from other heroes. But there are tons of people that don't want that because it's a very grounded, you know, much more more superhero stuff is in that run and just more like human drama, comedy. It's more of a dramedy. And See, you know, that's the type of stuff that if they were to make a Wonder Woman cartoon, mm-hmm. I would watch that because yeah. I feel like, well, that's something I, I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's way different than what she was in, say, this, the Linda Carter show. Mm-hmm. So that to me is like a really good departure, you know, where she could she could stay in the Watchtower and, you know, live there or she could, you know, go fly back to, you know, Paradise Island and stay there, you know, or she could live with Steve Trevor and stay there, which I almost don't even want to think about that a little bit because I'm thinking, yeah. are these two in love or are they work buddies? <laughs> right. Uh, and Steve Trevor's a difficult character too because sometimes he's great. He's pretty awesome in the Golden Age material and they've done some cool stuff with him over the years but there's decades where he's a douchebag. You know, the, for, mm. for years I was a Steve Trevor hater. I despised that character and I was 100% behind Perez getting rid of that character until really I started investigating the history and realizing that uh, just like with Lois Lane there's tons of people that hate Lois Lane but she serves an important role in Superman's life and there are some great stories with her and just the simple fact that a lot of people don't know how to write her doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the character it means there's something I mean, wrong I like, with the I mean, going back to the animated stuff I like animated Lois mm-hmm. oh especially and, on the, yeah, the animated like series with Dana Delaney Smallville all that stuff I mean, yeah, yeah. Or, or Terry me, Hatcher. You know, I mean, I like her. I mean, I like animated Lois because she's all of those things. But yeah, she could be an asshole. But she, mm-hmm. she also she means well. Like she treats Clark bad, but she's all over Superman. Which I mean, if you're to anime, I'm not to say they would do that for a Wonder Woman cartoon. Which you know, these days you can't, you probably can't go too far in that direction. Well, like what you just mentioned. I mean, I can see, I can see them mining from there. Like I'm sure Paul Dini and them could look at that and you know try to really look at it and really make it work. You know, I mean, I mean, well, I mean, the thing is, not, Chris Pine really nailed it he he really got the most important part of steve trevor with lois lane the reason why she matters is because she has that courage and that conviction and that drive and and she will not take no guff off anybody where superman always is a little bit more timid and so i think superman looks at one woman and he sees somebody he admires and he, he respects that courage because she doesn't have invulnerability she's not bulletproof she doesn't have any of the stuff to fall back on that he does she's that accomplished mm-hmm. as a normal human being and he just loves and admires that about her and what's important about steve trevor is he has to do the same thing for uh, for uh, Wonder Woman. He has to see this incredible human being, this incredible uh, uh, hero, and just praise her and love her and do everything he can to support her as just a regular dude. You know, I mean, he's not a regular dude by most people's terms. The dude's like a badass soldier, and he's smart, and he's with military intelligence. You know, he's he's got. I he's think these extremely, days he's with Argus. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a very accomplished person, but all that accomplishment is blown out of the water by Wonder Woman, and he's cool with it because he recognizes that she can do so much more for the world that he can just like you know he talks about at the end of the first movie and so as long as he's with her he just wants to be with her and support her and that's the role that he has he's showing men how to love and appreciate a woman who is essentially better than them who's more accomplished who's smarter who's stronger who can do more to not fear that to not be angry at that to not be hurt or diminished by that but to recognize that association with that elevates them as well and that's a prize to be had you know but you can't see it as a trophy you've got to see her as a a whole human being and that's the role Steve Trevor has 
Huh? And also as an equal. Yes, you but know, as an equal. to some degree an equal, but really part of Steve Trevor's role is to see her as superior, to, to be okay with a woman being just better at just about every dang thing in the world that he is. Because that's the thing mm. that's different between their relationship and Lois and Superman's is that Lois doesn't have to see Superman as being superior to her. She has to be the best Lois she can be, and she's always going to be driven by her own obsessions uh, and her own drive. And Superman is just an additional element to her life. She is a fully formed human being without Superman. She doesn't need Superman to complete her. Um, and they're not competing necessarily in the same areas. I know that Clark Kent is also a reporter, but Clark Kent also has all those superpowers, and even with those powers, he's not as good of a reporter as Lois is. She's just that much better mm-hmm. than him in the, the same field as them. Um, so, But it's not really a competition, because really he's more about being Superman than Clark Kent anyway, in terms of the, the occupation. Uh, he's more about being Superman than he is reporter Clark Kent. Okay, but in the in with uh, Steve the for peace. <laughs> yeah, where with Steve Trevor, he's doing kind of the same job as Wonder Woman, and she's way better than him at, than him at it, and he's cool with that, and that's part of the role that he plays is to be the guy who's cool with Wonder Woman being way better than him at stuff. I mean, I see that now that you told me that. Now that's that's a perspective I've never seen of Trevor before, because mm-hmm. I know the TV show stuck in my head about him, and I know the Chris Pine Chris Pine in the movie. Now that you mentioned it, it really gives me a bit more context, you know, to look at him like, okay, yeah, I I, I see it, you know. First before I'm like, okay, I mean, I know when I made my comparison, I know it seemed like I was a little bit like, well, you know, they're about the same, but not really. Uh, well, I <laughs> you mean, know, I know they're really trying to make him hardcore military these days, mm-hmm. and I know in the New 52 they made him like a liaison for the Justice League, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, they got Amanda Waller and all of them too. It's one of those deals where I'll take what I can get. You know, the fact that character before the New 52 even he just wasn't anything. He he the the entire post crisis period sidelined that character, didn't have much use for him, and it the absence of Steve Trevor diminished Wonder Woman, just like the absence of Etta Candy, and just like the absence really of Wonder Girl, you know, and and you know eventually when they killed off Hippolyta, hopefully not a spoiler, um, that all that <laughs> all that diminishes Wonder Woman. They they spent years taking stuff away from that character at a time when she really needed to be built up, but they kept stripping her down, you know. Yeah, and you like Superman. I mean, they did the same thing to Superman. At a time where you got, at a time where you got Batman coming out of no man's land, and he uh, still has his family. Mm-hmm. And at a time where Superman felt with, you know, had to deal with Brainiac, um, to think 5.0 or something mm-hmm. like that, where Brainiac became full robot. It was no longer the guy and Milton Fine and, uh, and all that stuff. You you know, post crisis yeah. uh-huh. Brainiac. Even though, super, even though Brainiac off of Superman animated series was a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> yeah. <had> pants. Well, <laughs> with, with Superman is another situation where John Byrne stripped him down to the bare, bare basics, but inevitably they built it back up again. He eventually had a or large. He can, breathe back, he, can, he can breathe back. He can breathe in space too. At, at, mm-hmm. Afterward, right? Well, and it's he like do that. he stops being Superboy, so that would seem to take away from Superman. But then they introduce a whole other clone of his, who's a Superboy that's contemporaneous to him. So they're actually hanging out together. It's not just the younger version of himself. You know that yeah. builds his family. I'm thinking, well, if they would have done a Wonder Woman cartoon back then, I'm sure they would have put it on Fox because WB wouldn't have, kids WB wouldn't have existed. She'd just be lassoing yeah. everybody. It's pretty nonviolent. Which I'm like, that's almost Super Friends level. Like you could do more than that. Come on, you can get Tim Curry in there like Aries. I know you can afford him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I was talking about, like with Black Lightning. Like if he would have had a cartoon, I mean, I could see like in my proposed weird alternate u- universe where all the stuff I do, like all had cartoons and heaven forbid Batman and them didn't get any. <laughs> you know, um, Black Lightning would have been a household name, right? And they would have been saying, "Oh, he's got another show and another movie again." Or Wonder Woman. Well, she has like five Wonder Woman movies and a long running a- animated TV series. But you know, all 
these great voice casts, and maybe David Warner and all of them would have still got roles in there, you know? Well, and, and we were just talking about those DC animated books. If they did Wonder Woman 77, why didn't they do Wonder Woman the Animated Series as a comic book? Yeah, or Wonder Woman Adventures. Mm-hmm. They could do it. I mean, I'm just, I, I think if I ever got a DC, if they ever let me do one thing, like, hey, can we do a, a Wonder Woman Adventures book? She wasn't it, just the cartoon guys. <laughs> you know, this is my pitch, you know? And hey, Ty Templeton, because I feel like I probably would do layouts like Keith Geffen would do or whatever because I'm aware of who he is. Mm-hmm. He's another guy. I'm like, I'm surprised that guy, I'm surprised that guy got work because <laughs> he did a bunch of wild stuff. I don't mm-hmm. know. He did Legion of Superheroes and I think that's the most, that's the most famous thing, but I, I know mostly from Lobo, mm-hmm. you know, the space biker. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's voiced by Brad Garrett in that cartoon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm the main man. I'll frag anybody. Um, and that's another character that Wonder Woman fought in the comic books, but she didn't fight in the Justice League cartoon. Not a lot of exposure to Lobo then they did a thing where they sort of like Lobo was appearing in the demon and uh, Lobo appeared in Wonder Woman and then Wonder Woman appeared in the demon so you had this like very brief blip in the very early 90s where those three characters interacted in a short span of time because Lobo was always in the demon so it, it made them feel slightly associated but then that, that never happened again <laughs> or it didn't Which, happen I mean I don't know I, mean, I think what you just told me I found out I think just found like the covers and I'm like yeah. that's strange well, even I saw Lobo one time on Just League Unlimited yeah Lobo was, was in one issue there was a War of the Gods tie-in around or issue 53 or 55 something like that and then uh, she appeared in a, a demon issue around the same time which would have been around issue somewhere between 16 and 26 on the demon I'm not as familiar with that one and then like one, the demon appeared in an issue of Wonder Woman like five years later like for, like the 120s or something that John Byrne did <laughs> so they're not really associated I want to get a little, when it goes back to Wonder Woman it's like could Wonder Woman and Harley Quinn ever you know be adversaries yeah <laughs> I wouldn't want to see that for personally. I just, I, I want Wonder Woman to have her own lane. I don't want her to have to share a lane with Batman. Mm, cool. Plus, I and again, I think that. we talked about this before. Um, Wonder Woman is just at a whole different power level. So, like, just like you should never have to talk about Cheetah and Catwoman in the same breath, because Cheetah, if Cheetah fights Wonder Woman, she would murder the entire Batman family. Okay, so don't even, <laughs> you know, don't even bring that stuff up. And I love Catwoman. I, th- I, I, vastly, I mean, I love her too. I vastly prefer Catwoman as a character over Cheetah, but. The Barbara Minerva cheer as as bloodthirsty as she is, she would kill the entire Batman family. So this would be as her and this. This, this is um, Werecat Cheetah, right? Werecat Cheetah specifically would kill half of Gotham if she was so inclined. She is just. I mean, a, would, would would Bane would Bane have to put her down? <laughs> Bane might be able to take her on, maybe, but she's so fat. You know, again, what about, no, what about um, Solomon Grundy? Even uh, no, she couldn't take Solomon Grundy. She couldn't take Solomon Even Grundy. Even they're both on the same team. <laughs> no, yeah, Solomon Grundy's another level too. Solomon Grundy is a guy who uh, can just absolutely destroy people when he's at his he's the Hulk when he's at his, his peak form except he's unkillable you know it's like that's, which, on, which on Justice League they did well exactly exactly unlimited um, so yeah they, they're, they're, those are two completely different characters two completely different levels of power um, you know it, it's just uh, Batman is again he's he's a cop he's basically a cop <laughs> extra okay so he's, don't, a, he's don't, a rich don't, cop with, yeah. a, with a cave and he has a couple of Robins mm-hmm. one of them's a Nightwing yeah. he has a couple of bat girls even though Cassandra Cain's better than I don't know Cassandra Cain's cool yeah. and um what, what, once you're talking about immortal demigoddesses and stuff it's like you're just out of your depth dude you're, I mean I was just I was just reading like the gods and Gotham so I see mm-hmm. what you mean yeah it's it's a whole other thing especially when they possess the Joker and all of them you know it's it, like it, this, it, doesn't, it, this doesn't fit 
<laughs> if Wonder Woman's in Washington, D.C. or Gateway City or whatever city, uh, uh, city she's operating out of this one, uh, and if she needs some forensic science done, then great. That's that's what that man's role is. <laughs> Otherwise, you just stay home, dude, because, you know. Well, you just stay out of Gotham. Yeah. I mean, it's like Superman villains fight Batman, you know? It's like, Lex Luthor, I get it. He's corrupt businessman. Metallo, yeah. on the other hand, mm-hmm. Batman's fought robots before, right? That's, that's like, say, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman fought Metallo. I'm trying to think how that would go. Now I got Malcolm McDowell on the brain because he played that character people's villains right yeah um which is, the, Max- which is the big problem that you had with the uh, john byrne run we were talking about before is he clearly didn't have any faith in wonder woman's villains and so he was constantly borrowing from other people like the new gods uh like doomsday uh you know etrigan's villainous uh morgana lefay he was constantly oh, she borrowing- too was on the cartoon <laughs> yeah uh and she was in the kirby style too with the, the gold armor and everything uh he didn't have any faith in her villains and he didn't for the most part go through the trouble of creating any new villains so it was just wonder woman team up but instead of it, her being teamed up with a hero, it was her fighting somebody else's villain. And it, it got really tedious. Uh, that's the thing with DC. It's like, when I look at their, I mean, when I look at Wonder Woman and I look at who she could, who, who, who she can fight, who she could fight, and who would fight her, you know, then you think about that in animation. I mean, one half is sky's the limit, there's a toy box. And then the other half for me is like, okay, how do we, if you're going to do an episode arc, how are you going to do it? Or you're going to do a two-parter, how would you do it? You know, it's like this, I mean, with what's going on now, DC, you'd be like, if I was at DC, I probably would have gone crazy. Crazy, right? I would have been like, hey, Tim, Deanie, I need you two in here. My office right now. James Tucker, get in here. And I'm trying to think. Who, Patty but Jenkins, see, get in here. I want some of your yeah, input, too. Patty Jenkins is a good one. <clears throat> but we talked about before, all the guys you named are so great at doing the broader DC universe, but I really don't think they got a good candle on Wonder Woman. So it's like, those aren't none of those. The only one of those guys I'd be okay with coming in would be Patty Jenkins. The rest of them are dismissed. because I I'd, I'd or at least like, um, also Kathy Yan, was it? The woman who directed on Birds Murray. I still haven't seen it, so I couldn't speak to that one. Well, it's the animated thing. I see Rebecca Sugar, but then again, or um, I forgot the name of that. The, the person is a showrunner on um, Shira. I definitely would get her. Yeah, I see it. that, and Shira I think is more the direction because I know that was a show that was very uh, girl centric, divisive, <laughs> divisive too, but but also but very girl centric. It's in the kind of lane that I want one woman to be in. I don't Which want her. I don't want her to be doing the uh, uh, the guy stuff. I, I one woman, you know, there. I I've seen too many guys and too many uh, guys, girls try to do Wonder Woman and they really fail the Wonder the woman part of that. It feels like mm-hmm. it really feels like they cater to a male audience. And I, I think you have one of the things about She-Ra is that they refuse to cater to that male audience um, and to their benefit. Because while you have vocal detractors, I think that most of those detractors probably would have never going to watch a She-Ra series in the first place. No, and there are other people. The first one. Yeah, they didn't even <laughs> watch the first one. Um, and so, and clearly, there's a very devoted fan base to She-Ra and it got four seasons and I remember everybody was blowing up uh, at the season finale on Twitter when that came out um, mm-hmm. so obviously they were doing something right so I, I would have more faith in someone like uh, was it uh, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the woman is Nicholson or Stevenson or something yeah I think that's who well, you know who I'm talking about because yeah. I think she she had done like a comic called Lumberjanes sure, and yeah. something like that. I mean, I see her on Twitter all the time. What is and, it? Nicole you know, Stevenson? Is that, uh, I'm just trying to, uh, point being is, uh, give me somebody who's going to figure out who the woman is first. Yeah. Uh, don't give me another dude trying to write a woman and doing it badly and, and uh, making her just an accessory to, to male heroes, which is what happens. Because like at animation. this point though, in 2020, that's what, you know, a lot of people are looking for something that's familiar but different. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, at least that's what I look for. Yeah. Well, it's like they did that one 
Roman movie back in the 2000s, and I hated that one too. And I've seen it. Part of what I hated about it is it seemed like an extended straw argument against feminism. It, it was Steve being a pig, but also being the common sense guy, and Wonder Woman being this hyper reactionary, you know, uh, uh, hard on her sleeve, uh, uh, uber feminist. And they both just come off as jerks. They'd come off as jerks, and they don't come and off as real someone people. I wouldn't want to sit for, to be quite honest with you. What's that? It's someone I wouldn't want to sit for, you know, as a show, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. You, neither one of these characters are people you'd want to spend time with. So, you know, it, it makes for a pretty terrible movie, and it's no wonder they didn't try to build on that because I think they thought they were lucky they got out and made their money, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, somebody who's uh, going to actually give her a voice uh, and, and yeah. have it be a, a legitimate voice. But obviously, I'd love for it to reflect the comics, but it shouldn't be so indebted to it that they can't do some more things, interesting well, things. Like, you know, I mean, she Riot and Batman, Superman animated series that, you know, kind of at least do a mixture of the two. That's mm-hmm. what I'm thinking in my head anyways. Ideally, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, mean you, you just blend it all together and, you know, you up the woman part. Yeah. You definitely do that. Well, but, but also, time, you know, I, I want to see them create a lot of original stuff in that show because Wonder Woman is a franchise that's got everybody who comes in to do Wonder Woman for the most part tries to come up with a new arch foe and every one of them is basically a variation on Cersei or Ares. You know, one of those two characters just over and over and again ad nauseum. So you could take the names of any of those people. You could do Kronos instead of Ares. Kronos is basically just Ares all over again. You could do mm-hmm. Devastation who's basically Cersei all over again or mm-hmm. Genocide who's evil Wonder Woman, Doomsday version of Wonder Woman. You could take those character properties, those basic concepts if you wanted to or you could use the name or you could use the costume or you could just come up with something entirely original for the animated series and that could only be to Wonder Woman's benefit because she's got such a weak family structure. She's got she's got a fairly weak supporting cast. Um, when you can name a couple of characters and then that's about it, then that's not a great supporting cast. Um, right. She needs more than just random Amazon. She needs more than just Steve and Etta. Uh, she needs more than like th- the three or four Wonder Woman villains that people can name. You can name you know a handful and that's probably twice as many as your average person can name. You know? Um, yeah, I mean, because that's, that's the thing is like if I like a character, I'm going to try to figure out the ins and outs of them all. Right. You know? Because yeah. for me, I feel like if I just know about the few handful, at least one or two villains that I've seen on Super Friends with the Legion of Doom, I know there's more. Well, what I was just thinking about is I, I was rewatching the X-Men movies uh, for the 20th anniversary and it occurred to me that, uh, you know, Mystique and Rogue were both Miss Marvel villains. Death Bird also came out of Miss Marvel. And it's like, does Miss Marvel have a better Rose Gallery than Wonder Woman? You know? It's That's not crazy. cool. That's not fair. Yeah, like you were saying about the first X-Men movie, it is yeah, true. It's two Miss Marvel um, characters. Uh, Hulk, I mean, Wolverine, if you want to count him as a, as a Hulk character. Um, I don't know. That's, that's a weird one, isn't it? Point being, though, is Rogue and Mystique, just those two alone, are so much better developed and much greater in the public consciousness than any Wonder Woman villain ever. You know? And that says a lot. And, and I don't think you could say, like, I don't, you can say that about Alex Luthor. You can say that about Joker. You can say that about Catwoman. Or, you know, there's so many of the, the famous, iconic villains that are much more famous than anybody from X-Men or most anybody from X-Men. Um, mm-hmm. You can't say that about a single one or one woman's villain. And that's something that's kind of hard for me to be like, I love this character, but I, I only got two here that I've seen elsewhere in two different ver- di- two different versions of. Yeah. You know what I mean? And everybody else, all right, Trevor from the show and Eddie Candy from the show and that's about it. You know, I can't, I mean, I, Giganto. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know she's done other things, right? I mean. Yeah, but it's like, but, oh, she grows really big. Tell, tell me something else about Giganta. You know, like, especially man yeah. on the street. Like, you ain't going to get anything out of them the most these days I mean Gigantus heyday was in the 70s man I'm getting old so I bet you more than half <laughs> for me, of- to me I'm like that's the only way I knew who she was I thought she was an Apache I thought she was Apache Chief some 
nemesis. Yeah, exactly. She was in Challenge of the Super Friends. So I, there are plenty of people who probably wouldn't even associate it with Wonder Woman. So <laughs> yeah, that, that's a problem. And so uh, one, uh, uh, an animated series with a wide latitude of interpretation uh, would be beneficial to the character, I think, for sure. I mean, they got her in DC Superhero Girls, but then again, they got, I think they got like another season of that. And that one's done by the woman who um, did My Little Pony. Mm. So that's season two of that. So they got, once again, a few, at least one or two Wonder Woman villains on yeah. that. Well, and, and, and that, sh- that show's got some traction. I see those toys when I go shopping and stuff. So I mean, uh, I haven't bought any of them, but I've, I've seen a little bit of clips on the internet and stuff like that. They're not to scale with my Marvel Legends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you right now, X-23 is giving me that eye like, I'm going to cut you. And <laughs> 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 like, oh, shut up. <laughs> and Harley Quinn's like, yeah, yeah, because I got like three Harley Quinns up here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's already a party if you want to call it a party. <laughs> my desk right now is like all the stuff that when I was a kid, I'm like, I took them all out of the box that are all out here just looking, looking like if I had a cubicle, this would look like. Mm-hmm. I guess if I worked at DC, this would look like. I'd be like, no, don't put no Marvel characters up there. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> That's our competitor. Let's not, you go put your, go put your fun codes over there when you work over there at Marvel. <laughs> I'm like, but, 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 but Captain Marvel, oh, well, we only got one Captain Marvel here and his name is Billy Batson. <laughs> and we got Mary Marvel. All right, that'll do you. Won't, won't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're right about Wonder Woman. Like, if you were to do a cartoon, you could really probably go go dive into the toy box, bring out the old, invent some new, mm-hmm. have fun. Well, and you could also whip out that DC encyclopedia and just start pointing your <laughs> finger at random pages. Like, what about this one? What about this one? What about the male cheetah? Let's put him in something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, give give up Phil Phil Jimenez a check. You know, because I'm sure he's not hurting for money right now. But great guy, I was told. <laughs> I, 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 to I, I met him at a uh, San Diego Comic Con 2000. He was good. Guy. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, cause yeah, I was listening to a podcast where another guy from another podcast, from the Adam Warlock podcast, um, him and his buddies had got him on an interview. I guess it was a Skype call. Hmm. I don't listen to it. I was laughing a little bit. He was talking about how him, between him and George Perez, they designed costumes that nobody else can draw, mm-hmm. which I find it interesting because even Michael Bailey says that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Oh, there's so many. Again, you look what they did to Jericho. They did all that to Jericho in the 90s specifically because they didn't want to draw that costume anymore. Yeah. <laughs> which I know when you look at Perez and Jimenez, like, it's a whole other level because they're like, like even he said we're looking at stuff that's not it's not from comics mm-hmm. so hence why when Troya's costume Donna, Donna Troy's first costume when she's not Wonder Girl it's something that not everybody else can draw I think Tom Grummet drew it mm-hmm. but I don't know if it looked as good as when Perez did it yeah. or uh, Jose Garcia Lopez mm-hmm. who's another guy praise be his name right 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 <laughs> I, I, I obviously not on Bailey, fire so and water yeah, I, I'm not on fire and water so I wasn't I didn't. Well, I wasn't uh, prepared to do the chorus unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> I listen to those guys so much. Well, and you know, it's funny too. I I'm, I'm, was reading through Camelot 3000 recently and I've never had, I always intended to, I've only ever read one issue before and I never realized that Bolin was also an influence on Phil Jimenez. Because uh, you always look at his work and he looks so much like Perez that you always just go like, okay, he's like Perez but a little bit darker and you don't really think what other differences there are there. And then when I see that Bolin influence, it's like, oh yeah, okay. And that's an interesting strain because I wouldn't have made the connection unless I was looking at that early Bolin because they just don't look alike. You, if you put them side by side, you don't see it. But I guess maybe it was the development of Boland as his style changed. He didn't look quite the same way as he did back in Camelot 3000. And so seeing yeah. that influence, you know, all these years later after being a Jimenez fan all these years is like, that's neat. Okay, I never saw that before. So that's one of the ways in which they're different. So that's cool. Just throw that I mean, out to there. Me, it's interesting because they way to design stuff with such detail and are very consistent about mm-hmm. it from 
every angle, well, even and, when it's a lot of characters. And I think Phil Jimenez is an architecture guy, and he's a guy who also has, has professed his love for talking heads. Um, hmm. So he's not there for the big action moments and stuff. He's there for the the. I'm scenes. reading a lot of talking and, heads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he does like that. But, I mean, he's detail-oriented that way, and again, he's somebody who's going to think a lot about costuming. And then most anybody who follows him is just going to draw a naked lady and put some extra you know, details in there. Yeah, which I'm things. like, I've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's been almost two years. I kept insisting on covering Cheetah material that was going to take a lot of time and effort that I lost interest in. I kept uh, putting on the back burner. And then to this episode's specific recording went missing for the better part of a year. And then once I did finally find it, I sat on it for another year. Hey, Angela over at Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace podcast hasn't put out anything since February. Just be glad you get some content. All right, folks. And speaking of those folks, thank you to the fourth pip, Wonder Eight Sage, Aaron Henley, Andy XDR, Dr. Ange, Ash. What Would One Woman Do? Anti-Perf for Life Between the Pages Bill Simi Transparently Brett Brock Chris Carlton Chris Lydon Coffee and Comics Podcast Comic Book Couples Counseling Comic Reading Gamer Crisis in the DC RPG Dave's Comic Heroes Blog DC Tweets Dean Lonergan Del Dracula The Steel Snyder Cut MJ Dr. DC Podcast Dr. Pop Culture BGSU Ed Moore Elisa McCausland Fanholes Podcast Jeffrey Hicks Glowing with Iridescent Rainbow Fire Green Lantern H. G, I'll be the light in the dark. Gwilexen of Earth 1218. History of Comics on Film. Ian Cameron. Ian Giggle. Iowa's Joe Is. Jeffrey Brown. Jim Bruglia. John Williams. John is reading Dragonlance all summer. Kim Lazenby. King Size Comics Giant Size Fun Podcast. Connell LP. Linda Carter Cosplayer. Martin Gray, who added, This should knock spots off other shows. Matthew Barton. Mike at Send Aliens to Me. Min. MVLA Kai. Nasty Heroes. Nathaniel Devon Sanford. David Hayter, who adds, This looks fantastic neil armstrong of kithos nick smith not one one podcast the phil factor priscilla 218 22 wonderful night in memory professor frenzy rad adventures podcasting network randy caldwell ranger gord culture wars draft dodger relatively geeky resurrections and adam warlock and thanos podcast richard field rob at speculum fight ryan daly satin tights a one one podcast ciscoid sodia coam stefano jr stimbot 5000 talking wonder woman tetsu cage terence casting Tim Price, the Podcrasher, Trekker Talk, who added Marvelous, wrong company, Vrangian Vigilante, Vince Catuso, Warlord Worlds, Western Mass Wonder Woman, Wonder Boy TV, Wonder Talks, Wonder Woman Podcast, the aforementioned Wonder Woman Warrior for Peace Podcast, Xenozoic Xenophiles, Zachary Diamond, and Zozo. Del Dracula sent a Super Friends Cheetah GIF and said, Fun to hear Frank go full Ren Hoak while trying to unwind these narratives. One of the Sage wrote, Woot. And as it happens, I'm on my first read through of the Perez era Wonder Woman, and I just got done with the Cheetah arc, issue 30-ish. So good and a way more interesting take on the character than I've been previously exposed to. Super Friends, the occasional Bronze Age comic. Navid Hader wrote, It's simply the best in comics, also edited by the legendary Karen Berger, no less. Everything from Swamp Thing, V from Vendetta, Sandman, Vertigo, that's her and you can see how that is so. Happy reading, Perez's run is favorite. And finally, this episode's guest, Jeffrey Brown wrote, Hey, I'm reading about Cheetah in Wonder Woman comics right now. Priscilla Rich will always be the Super Friends Legion of Doom MVP for that cartoon to me. I like Barbara Minerva Cheetah, but shame she wasn't used a lot in Just League Unlimited. While Gigantic got a lot of play, they made her an ape mutated by a human by Grodd. And DCAU Cheetah was a splicer, a human mutate, metahuman, Batman flirted with her. 
Wonder Woman is the copyright of DC Comics Entertainment. This is a non-profit fan-produced podcast. No infringement of any copyrights are intended. And where copyrighted material appears, it is believed protected under fair use. If you enjoy the show, please feel free to leave a comment on the Diana Prince is the new Wonder Woman blog, the Rolled Spine podcast blog. Write to me at emailofdiabolu at yahoo.com featuring two underscores. Or just hit me up on Twitter at commanderblanks or at Rolled Spine. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful week.